Real Coach JB getting ready to go live right here on YouTube every morning, 6 a.m. Pacific, right here on your screen. Uh, make sure you pound the like button, subscribe, become a member if you're not one. Uh, this show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and get you 50% off welcome bonus. And uh, we got NBA full go tonight playing the 10 versus 7, the 7 versus the 8, the 8 versus the 9, the 9 loses. They play the 7, the 7 loses. They get to play again and against the 8. And then the 8 loses, they'll play the 10, and then the 10 may lose, and they could end up getting in and playing the 2 seed. Man, nobody knows. It's a joke. But do it all on betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Uh, make sure you guys check out Canada Dips, another proud sponsor of the Coach AB Show. CanadaDipsCBD.com, the cleanest way to dip there is. Use my promo code CoachJB, get you fresh 20% off plus free shipping. CanadaDipsCBD.com, this is the new White Widow. Go get you some. Pineapple Express is out. I got the peach. We got it all short, fat, skinny, and tall. Uh, today's show is a little bit of a special one. I got a special guest joining me. Uh, Will Jefferson played at Colorado, uh, played football at the University of Colorado. He was a Buffalo, just like Matt McChesney, uh, one of my best friends in the world. Um, one of my one of my best friends in the world um, recruited him from me, Darian Hagen, legendary Colorado Buff. He recruited him from me, and the story is unique because Will never played for me. He never played it down for me. He played at Colorado, had great success, and now he's making his debut, MMA boxing debut. Um, I've been pretty good on TikTok. They just they just uh, banned me for a live. I, I, what did I say? Did I say anything? Fucking TikTok's weird. Fucking Chinaman. All right, so um, we got a lot to discuss today. Uh, but first of all, we got to get you started with the quote of the day, of course. Um, quote of the day. Maturity comes when you stop making excuses and start making changes. That is when maturity comes, contrary to belief, which will be the next segment. Brought to you by CanadaDipsCBD.com. Head on over there. Get you some Coach JB promo code and get you some dip. Um, maturity comes when you stop making excuses and start making changes. Hey, dog, some of you guys aren't mature at 40. So it's you still got time, motherfucker. Still got time. Go fucking mature up. Contrary to belief, I will win. Not immediately, but definitely. That is needs to be your damn mindset, contrary to belief. Attitude and effort, the two things you are truly in control of in your life. Attitude and effort. Tell that to players all the time. Sometimes. All you can do is keep your head up, stay strong, let go, and move on. Contrary to belief. Right here on the Coach AB Show. Pound the like button, subscribe, become a member. Poll question, please. It's in the YouTube chat as well. Uh, trivia, or it's, uh, it's in a YouTube poll question. Does Lamar play in Baltimore now that OBJ signed? Drop your comments in the section below. We can talk about it for a minute. Will Jefferson joins me in about 25 minutes. Steve Kim will join me in the second hour. We're going to talk about our top 10 NFL bust of all time. Top 10 NFL bust of all time. Fun fact for the day, if you didn't know, hippopotamus milk is fucking pink. 
If you didn't know that, check it out. It looks like Pepto-Bismol. Go check it out. It may be serving you that shit on the, on the shelves in your store. You may think it's Pepto-Bismol. It's really hippo milk. <laughs> That's true shit. Google it. Hippo milk is pink. I don't know if you knew that. Um, we're here for Talk That Talk Tuesday. Pound the like, subscribe, become a member. Uh, we're bringing it today. We got a lot to discuss. Um, we're going to get uh, a few things going. Um, yeah, we know. We know the live ain't, 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 ain't getting no love. It's all good. They make more money than everybody in the Masters, though. <laughs> hey, Bruce Kepka made more money last week than the winner of the Masters won. John Rahm. Just let that sink in. Uh, Boston, the, the female number one WNBA pick, South Carolina. Uh, got to, She was the number one pick last night in the WNBA. Shout out to her. And uh, shout out to all the women who got their shine last night in the WNBA draft. This is the girl who got torched by Milka Magnesia um, Clark for Iowa, who's not coming out. But this was the number one pick in the WNBA. <laughs> uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Lucy's favorite, is headed to USC. I uh, don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Cliff Kingsbury headed to USC, expected to join Lincoln Riley's staff. They're butthole buddies. Uh, they've been butthole buddies for a long time. Um, and... Uh, Apparently, he's going to be like some type of quarterback, coach, analyst, etc. Here's my hot take for today. I think Lincoln Riley's going to bounce to the NFL with Caleb Williams. And I think Cliff's going to be the head coach of USC. What do you think about that? What do you guys think about that? That is what I think. That is my personal opinion. That is what I think. I think Cliff's going to be the next head coach at USC. And I think that Riley's going to take his NFL shot just like Cliff did. So that's my personal hot take for today. Um, we'll see. But I think uh, Cliff and Lincoln, I think they are uh, they belong together. Very similar to humans. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, Tampa Bay Rays, 10-0. Major League Baseball, 10-0. Uh, back in 03, I think two teams started 13 and 0. They never even sniffed the world series. Uh, just a few years ago, I believe somebody started, um, 11 and 0 didn't sniff a world series. So I don't really care about being 10 and 0 in baseball. It really don't mean shit. I think they beat the A's. They beat fucking Cleveland. They haven't really beat anyone is my point. Um, so I'm not really sold on them. We did pick them early in the season or a couple weeks ago though. Uh, we had them at around 90 wins or more, though. Seems like they're on pace for that. The Rangers uh, pitcher, Heaney, ties the AL mark with nine consecutive strikeouts. Uh, is that contributed to the pitch clock? You gotta, I got to ask you, if I'm pitch clocking you and I'm fucking gunning them at you, I would struggle as a hitter, wouldn't you? I think the full advantage is a pitcher. It's like warming up. We're catching, throwing, catching, throwing, catching, throwing. Man, that's why I didn't let a receiver catch my balls from the other quarterback when we're warming up. So if you ever notice, if any of you know what I'm talking about, when quarterbacks warm up, they're usually two quarterbacks and they're usually two receivers. 
So the receiver catches the ball for the quarterback. I threw the receiver down with the other quarterback, the backup, and I caught the ball. And everyone was like, what are you doing? First of all, you better have the best hands on the team if you're a quarterback. I truly believe I had the best hands on the team. Number one. Number two, never fumbled a football in my life. So I love catching the ball. But more importantly, I caught the ball to get a rhythm to throw the ball back. I didn't want to catch it, get it from the receiver, get it back to me, and then throw it. I wanted to catch, throw, catch, throw. I'm, I'm equating that to baseball right now with this pitch clock. 9K straight. We're breaking records already 10 games into the Major League season with this new pitch clock, and I equate that to a rhythm. Pitchers have the advantage if they get into a rhythm. A batter has to step in and out of the box. Now the batter, and I'm not a baseball guy. I did play baseball when I was young. I pitched and hit. Um, I I played like right field. I pitched, and then I was just a home run hitter. I didn't do shit else. I couldn't hit for shit for the most part. But, dog, you got to come in, come out, reset, reset. You're used to being slow. Now you're speeding up. I think the pitchers have full advantage in this thing. Um, that is just my personal opinion. Um, that that just is what it is. Uh, no, I don't believe so. I'm going to do a what if somebody leaves scenario this week in college football. What if Nick Saban leaves uh, Alabama? Who replaces him? Uh, Lincoln Riley, no. He's not the guy that replaces him. Um, I think Dabo Sweeney, if anything, would be the guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if Lane Kiffin got a shot at it, to be honest. Um, but I don't know if Lane Kiffin ha holds that professional persona, so to speak. Even though Lane is very, very professional, people don't realize that. They see his tweets and his dog and all this stuff. I love Lane to death. I just think Lane's perfect. I think he gets the kids. He gets people to buy in. Um, I just don't know if Alabama looks at Lane as that guy to replace Lane, uh, Saban when Saban just comes into work with a suit and tie every day. Lane comes in and Jordan's on. You know what I'm saying? Different mindset, different uh, swag, different um, approach. Doesn't mean they don't work. It just means that, uh, you know, they're going to be used to Saban winning seven championships or whatever, and, and Lane's yet to get there. Um, we're going to do that this week, though. Canada beats the U.S. in a shootout in the world's uh, women's worlds. Um, what's up with that, U.S.? And then uh, Haskins' mom, Dwayne Haskins, says that he was drugged in an elaborate blackmail scheme. Can't wait to see uh, what all that's about. And then the Wolves suspend Gobert, Rudy Gobert, for tonight's game as they travel to play L.A. here in Los Angeles against the Lakers. So Steve Kim will join me later on to talk about that one. Um can't wait to break that down. It's going to be very, very interesting um, to hear that. I want to see how this thing really unfolds. And if you did not catch last night's episode of Last Chance Q on Patreon for all you members, it's starting off slow. We're breaking down four teams a day. We're breaking down what teams need, what they're going to get, what they need to get, getting it from a professional and Sean Salisbury, his point of view, what they did when he went through the draft, when he was drafted out of USC. We're breaking all these things down. Last night, we're doing our shows. Last night was real concise, precise, and to the point. Tonight, we're back at it again live on Patreon. 
So make sure you're a member of our Patreon if you're not one. You can also get everything else unlocked and all the videos. If most videos are unlocked now, if there's not a few still unlocked, we'll get to it today. Uh, I'll get them unlocked. But there's a lot of data and information on our Patreon. Make sure you become a member today. We're going to have a lot of good shit on Patreon, um, especially when today when we show the Seattle Seahawks, when we break down a little film of them and what they actually need. Uh, this will be the best breakdown show on planet Earth. And then we're going to try to get that to the masses. We appreciate you becoming a member of Patreon so we can use that revenue to blow this show up as well and hire some people so we can get this thing blown up. I appreciate you guys. Um, Lamar and OBJ, poll question. Does Lamar stay in Baltimore? I didn't get to see a lot of your guys' answers, but does Lamar stay in Baltimore? Um I don't know. We're going to see. We're going to break down Lamar Jackson, OBJ. Um, does he stay in Baltimore now that the o OBJ sweepstakes have been cleared? Apparently, though, there is a tweet out there that Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, joined the Ravens with a clear understanding that Lamar Jackson will be his quarterback in 2023, per Ian Rapport. Lamar recruited OBJ. Odell Beckham Jr., Lamar recruited him, supposedly. There's a FaceTime picture or video out there, too, that Lamar was on with OBJ trying to lure him in there. So I'm gonna I'm very curious to see um, how this works out. I think that Lamar made a very, very smart business decision when he tested these shark-infested waters and found out that they were just too bloody. They could not get a shot. He couldn't get a shot. No one wanted Lamar. No one was going to take the chance on Lamar. Nobody wanted to risk with paying Lamar. Nobody was going to go out there and walk that plank and risk a lot, a lot of invested capital and future draft picks to get Lamar Jackson, who's not very um, healthy doesn't play with the sustainability that you need from your NFL starting quarterback. That is what the NFL NFL owners and GMs saw, and that's what coaches saw, and that is why Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to return to Baltimore. Unless somebody comes out the woodwork that we don't know about or expect. Um he is going to be a Baltimore Raven again, playing for whatever money that they give him. Um, I just find it hard pressed to understand. So I want to. I want to understand this though. The Ravens pay a thirty-year-old who's only been a Pro Bowler once, who really hasn't played in two years, um, who really hasn't done nothing. If you really want to break down OBJ, I believe the hype is much greater than the production. And I'm just confused as to why we think this guy is so great. OBJ really hasn't done much. One-time Pro Bowler. He never has played for a quarterback that can really spin it until he got to Matthew Stafford. So I'm defending OBJ in that regard. He had Baker. He had some pretty shitty QBs. Uh, ass end of Eli with the beginning of Daniel Jones. Um 
Stafford was the best ball spinner he had. I was looking forward to seeing what he would do in New York with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, if that thing ever happens, because OBJ wouldn't have to be a primary focus. OBJ is going to be the primary focus of the Baltimore Ravens offense. He is going to be the number one receiver. Lamar has to go to OBJ. So you're asking a quarterback who's not a passer but a thrower to really, really hone in and make pinpoint accurate ball throws throws to OBJ, especially when he starts to get double coverage because they have no other threat on offense. Hopefully they can get the ball to the tight end like Lamar likes to do. But I'm, I'm not seeing it. I, I, I'm not seeing it. I understand Munkin's been here before. I know he's had at least a little bit of success in the NFL prior to his arrival here, but he's never ran triple. He's never ran offense suited to Lamar Jackson. Now, not saying he doesn't understand it and he can't do it. Um, I am, I'm, I'm sure that he can. But the problem I have is that ain't Lamar, dog. That is not Lamar Jackson's game. Lamar Jackson ain't dropping back, dissecting coverage, and hitting OBJ on time. OBJ will become a cancer similar to what Kyrie Irving is in Dallas right now and everywhere else he goes within by game seven because he ain't getting the rock. He may get the ball early and often, and after that, they're going to be like, bracket, bloop, we're going to bracket his ass, and that is what's going to happen. He's 30 years old. He's got two major knee surgeries. And this is my point. The Ravens paid him $15 million guaranteed. When if you ask me, you could have paid that money to Lamar on top of whatever else he wanted, add that money to Lamar's salary, and go get you a mid-level exception guy like DeAndre Hopkins right now who they say is in the decline. I would have gave the DeAndre Hopkins $15 million way before OBJ, but I wouldn't have gave Hopkins $15 million either. These guys are 4 to $7 million guys right now. Hopkins needs to make somebody prove to someone that he's worth it, and OBJ has to show that he's not just a walking injury bucket waiting to happen. I'm just telling you, $15 million for a wideout when you basically have, to a lot of people's public opinion, slighted Lamar Jackson blows my mind. I don't believe he was slighted. I believe this was honest, real evaluation of Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens understand that. But I believe this was a collaboration. I believe Lamar said, listen, if you want to make this thing work and I want to stay here with you, then you need to get me OBJ. But see, that's again a guy that's being his own agent and not understanding the whole full totality of how football works in the NFL and the NFL team. The Ravens, in this instance, bought into what Lamar wanted. Lamar wanted really just Lamar just really wants a homie that he can say he's playing with that was really good. And he's going to find out real quick that this ain't a homie driven league. This need, you need multiple good NFL players around you. OBJ is seeing his best behind him. He's hobbled 
And now we're going to give them 15 million guaranteed, possibly 18 million. Um, I see bad, bad, bad written all over this. I see implosion waiting to happen. Um, that's just where it is. That's what I think about this. Um, so we'll see how it all goes. Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes still there. Uh, nobody knows what's going on there. The, the Jets say it's happening. It has to happen by April 27th, the Thursday of the draft. I believe that Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and all these other guys have to fall into place before April 27th in Kansas City for the draft on that Thursday uh, when they drop the ball, drop the bell, that I believe those two major quarterback signings must occur. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson has to get done before the draft. If it doesn't, it just seems like it's going to be a real, real crapshoot for a lot of teams drafting uh, in that top 10 to 20 spot. We're going to break that down on Last Chance Q right here on Patreon every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday for the next three weeks leading up to the draft. Tonight, again, 5.30 Pacific, 7.30 Central. We're live on Patreon, Sean Salisbury and I, as we break down all these draft teams and all these draft stocks, and we're doing it the real way, not Mel Kuyper, not uh, whatever the other fuck's name is. We don't even care because we're about to have the best fucking draft show there is. Um, Joe Mixon, man, back at it. Um, Joe Mixon has been recharged and uh, with aggravated menacing by the city of Cincinnati. So a guy that took them to the Super Bowl with Joe Burrow and almost to another one has now been recharged. We all thought that would probably happen. We all figured it would probably happen. He has been recharged, and uh, I believe he'll be cut any day now. I'm pretty positive he'll probably be cut. And and uh, it is what it is. Like some of these cats just can't get out of their own way. They just can't get out of their own way, dog. And and, and it blows my mind. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with this situation. But we've already seen what he's done before on camera. We don't know what he's done off camera. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to say the least. Very interesting about this Joe Mixon deal. What happens with Joe Mixon? We don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, Kareem Hunt seems like he's getting cut loose by the Browns. They think that he's over the hill. I think they realize he's a shitbird, similar to what Mixon is right here. Uh, I believe there's a lot of shitbirds out there that get passed over to get able to play. That's why I'm curious to see how Jalen Carter and how this thing works out with Jalen Carter. Um yeah, Alvin Kamara, he's out there still. He's got to go through this thing. I'm, I'm sure he'll get suspension, uh, even though he got to play all last year uh, free. Um, I, I'm curious to see how the Kamara thing unfolds. Um, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting, to say the least, how this thing works. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Um the Bud Light saga continues, man. Um, somebody went out and bought, bought like $10,000 worth of Bud Light to run over. Now, I don't know if this is a great business model. Um, 
I'm very curious. I'm very curious. Um, take a look at this. This guy bought all this shit from Bud Light and then ran it all over. Now, see, it ain't that serious to me. I'm not spending that money to do that. Like, I don't care what your video is. That video's over with. Like, that video's over now. That video's over. Like, you spent 10K on all that Bud Light. Bud Light made money off you. Why would you have done that? Now you got to clean it up. <laughs> to make a point. To make a point about how you hate Bud Light. You now have to clean all that shit up. After you made that point and spent 10K on Bud Light. See, to me, they're not that important. Here's the thing about it. I, I, I took a, I, I did a little tweet yesterday about it. You guys are standing for some shit that blows my mind. We're very selective for what we stand for. And I showed, I, I proved that we can cancel the cancelers. The canceled us can cancel the cancelers, if you want to, if you stand together. So the entire country in the majority, which I always tell you, the minority controls the majority because they speak and we don't. Well, the majority spoke and they spoke loudly about Bud Light and how they're not comfortable representing Bud Light anymore in their hand and drinking it. So they said, we're going to cancel you. We're going to ban you. We're not buying you. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> it's hit like wildfire. It's all over the place. Bud Light's being canceled everywhere. Don't know how long they can su sustain. Anheuser-Busch, who's owned by another father company, if you don't know this, has, has been, you haven't even heard about this other company. Go look up who owns Anheuser-Busch. See, there's always someone else. No one's talking about this company. So go look who owns Anheuser-Busch and go see what they do and see why they're not being mentioned in this thing. And the little made-up human who's now on everything, Oil of Olay, tampons, Nike, Bud Light, how is this guy so fucking famous and important all of a sudden? But listen, if you fucking cancel Nike or Bud Light, you better cancel Nike and then you better cancel Oil of Olay and you better cancel the tampon company and you better cancel the babies who are going into the Hooters to be danced in front of by made-up humans and all these weirdo fucks. If you're so strongly convicted about Bud Light, why aren't we fucking talking about child trafficking and shit? Why aren't we standing up for that shit? <laughs> I mean, we really pick and choose what the fuck we're fucking have a strong conviction about. Bud fucking Light, the beer is shitty anyway. And you guys now are so gung-ho about standing up for Bud Light? 
Fuck, go stand up for the eight-year-old that's being fucking danced in front of by chicks with dicks. How about fucking that shit? How about we start there? We pick and choose, man. Pick and choose, man. It's fucking unbelievable. How about we all band together like we did versus Bud Light and start canceling the canceled? How about we say, you know what? I don't want every fucking commercial that I see having two dudes kissing each other. Can we cancel that majority? Can we cancel that? I don't want to see every fucking commercial about some type of made-up human and two dudes kissing. I'm tired of seeing it. You force it down my throat, but yet we can't do anything but take it? Fuck you. And now you stand together and try to cancel Bud Light? And it works. It's working, dog. How about you do that shit for some meaningful shit that actually affects other fucking folks? Fuck Bud Light. That shit is piss water. Who the fuck drinks it anyway? Backwood fucks in West Virginia and fucking some fucking redneck out here in Northern California. The Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama, man. Yeah, I showed that picture yesterday. Or I didn't show it, but I was talking about it yesterday, Lucy. Um, sticks his tongue out, has an 11-year-old, supposedly was supposed to suck on it. Oh, man, it's crazy to me. Crazy, 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 crazy. I don't get it. Um, don't get it. Crazy. Let me see here. Let me make sure. Make sure my. Where at? Let me see. I'm waiting on my boy. See. Trying to get my guy in here. Um, would I take a CFL job? Maybe, man. Maybe. I like CFL. Uh, a good friend of mine, Chris Jones, who was on the show, head coach for the Edmonton Elks now. Um, used to be the Eskimos. Um, he was, uh, he was on the show. He's a head coach there. He's won a few great cups. I wouldn't mind it. Uh, CFL sounds like he, he talked me into it. He talked, he talked me into it. Um, he talked me into it. I don't know. I haven't talked to Matt. I got to talk to Matt and see what he's talking about. Um, let me see. There we go. There we go. There we go. Um, there we go. Um, all right, further ado, I got my main man. So this story is going to be unique. Um, Will Jefferson played at the University of Colorado. Um, now he's getting into the MMA and the boxing world. And um, I wanted to share something real quick. So he he was a dude. Uh, look at there. He's a one-hander versus K-State back in the day. He uh, I don't want to give it away. We're going to tell the story. But he's having his uh, – he's going to have a, uh, a debut uh, on the 20th of April – He's going to have his first 
pro debut um, as a fighter. So uh, we're going to drop the link to all that and uh, and check it out. There's his fight right there um, in Aurora, Colorado. So make sure you guys check him out. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring my main man in, uh, Will Jefferson. Will, what up? What up, Coach? What up? What up? What up? Man, chilling, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, What's up, man? You out, so you've been out there in Colorado ever since you played, huh? Yeah, for the most part. Like, I mean, I traveled a little bit, but Colorado became home, you know? Like, uh, when really? I need to go myself, I come home. Man, that's uh, – yeah, we got some Colorado cats in the, in the room that know who you are. Uh, but they don't know our story, though. I bet you that. Um, it's interesting, man. I, I was like, dog, I saw you on Facebook, and I don't really do Facebook. And I was like, man, let me reach out to Will, man. I ain't seen this cat in a minute. Um, a lot of people don't realize. So, so Will Jefferson was from Moreno Valley, all right? He was from Moval and was playing high school. And I was at a, I was at a, at a college called Shafee College, junior college in, in Ranch Cucamonga. And I was the offensive coordinator back in shit. What was that, 09? Yeah, yeah. Damn, you getting old, homie. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm getting prime. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, hey, so so wait up. So what are you doing now? So you in the is it is it mixed martial arts or is it? No, nah, I'm boxing. Straight boxing. Oh, straight boxing. Yep. We boxing. Hey, so so on on la- on last chance, you you know I had a kid on my show, uh, the running back from Moval as well, Jamal. Yeah, Jamal Scott. He's after you, obviously. Okay. Um, he boxing now too. Yeah, he out here in Mobile. He out here in the, in the IE. He's out here uh, boxing, man. He's like he's like ten and zero. Yeah, man. No, he heavy though. He about shit. He was a big load. He's about two forty. Yeah, something like big boy. that. Big boy. Big yeah, boy. So he, he about two forty. Okay, so you boxing and your debut's the twentieth as a pro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Really? Yeah. So. Man, I got to know, what's the difference between boxing? Because the next guest I got on, he's on my show every week. He's a boxing pro. He used to be an analyst for ESPN, Steve Kim. Um, I'm going to have him watch you. He, uh, What's the difference in training, going from football to boxing? Is it more just more stamina-related shit or what? Yeah, it's um, – I, mean, I mean, that's the biggest part, right, like the, the type of win you need, right? Football is very, like, explosion stop explosion stop which is very hard in its own but boxing is more like you know a marathon right like you see the the longer fights everybody starts out good in that first round like you ever been in a street fight man that's like 30 seconds you know so do multiple three minute rounds i think the biggest thing is um that's the biggest difference right like in football we got to run a mile that's far in boxing you do three miles a day and it's like that's just your normal thing so outside of that that's probably the biggest difference no doubt um so now, I'm gonna tell a story real quick. So you you were uh, you were you were a qualifier out of high school back in the day when the old qualifications NCAA. And I found you, I recruited you, and we built a relationship. And uh, we and you bought into what I was selling enough to where you were like, all right, this motherfucker is he might be crazy, but he's he not he not full of shit. At least he's being honest. And you know me from the gate. I said, listen, come fuck with me. If you don't, if I don't get you a scholarship then uh, play for me, but I come here with me and I'll get you a scholarship. Maybe you'll never even play for me. And you were like, all right. So I met with you, your fam, and and we built a relationship. And one of my best friends in the world, it was at Colorado. A few guys were at Colorado. I think Keesaw was there when you, with you too. Um, 
So I knew that whole staff well. Darian Hagan, I talk to still to this day every day. He's there up there with, D, with Coach Prime now. Um, and then I have a former uh, Colorado buff, uh, Matt McChesney, on my show usually once a week who played in the league. Um, Darian calls me. They watch, they watch you. I, I bring them down to practice in the spring, and they see you run some routes, and Kesaw and Darian fell in love, and they signed you to Colorado on a full ride. Um, I, that's how I remember it. I don't know. Is that kind of how it happened? Yeah, no, nah, man. That's that's the that's the exact perspective, man. I mean, um, a lot of people a lot of people don't realize, especially back in the day, how hard it is to get recruited, especially out of SoCal, right? Like, for example, I was all CIF Southern Section. There was two receivers. The other one won a state championship. Shout out to Ricky Marvin and Centennial, right? But yeah, I yeah, had yeah. better numbers than them, right? And I was on a team that wasn't very like we weren't loaded, right? And we're going against these stars, right? But I didn't know what qualifications were. I had 3.5 GPA. I had no idea why I wasn't being recruited, man. So I think um, – but the biggest thing about me, I just always kept going. So, like, I think when I met you, I was actually about to go to, like, Mount St. Jacinto or something, just the closest junior college to my city, right, where I was yeah. living at. I was just like, I'm going to make it work. And we played in that all-star game. It was uh, IE versus L.A. Yeah. And I was just doing what I do, man. And you just came up to me, and I'm like, man, like, you feel like it come off like – it's genuine. That's what. That's the first thing I said about him. He's genuine. You know what I mean. So like, um, it's not often a guy tells you, hey, you know, especially a JUCO coach, right? Like we know JUCO coach can, can get really, can get really iffy, right? So like, why would a guy bring me in to potentially just send me on my way, right? Like, wh where does that come from? That comes from a good place, you know. So um, I went over there all in. I went over prepared to play. You know, I was picking people up. Like Ivan Lilly was going to get it from Paris, driving up. Yeah. Like I was committed, bro. So like, yeah. that just that just said a lot to me because I'm not a. I don't trust people. I don't like people. I mean, not like that, but it's just like, it's really hard for me to trust somebody. For you to yeah. be able to build that off one conversation, I was all in. Then you stood on your word. It was like, oh, we, we, we locked in for life, you know? So like, yeah, man, I'm yeah. forever grateful. Forever grateful. Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know what it is, man. People don't realize it's like a streak. It's like a dope game. It's like a hustle, right? It's, uh, I was the first one doing it this way, getting guys that didn't, that I was like, dog, I want to help the kid. I don't give a fuck about junior college wins and losses. These other cats recruiting you only needed Will Jefferson to win them games. They didn't need Will Jefferson to go be better in life and not go fucking get jailed, thrown in jail, or get shot, or get the fuck out the hood. They don't give a fuck. That's what a lot of these coaches don't get. That's what the D1 coaches are like, too. They're the same way. They just want to get their wins so they get their bag, and they feed their family. They don't really care about no one else. So I, I've always been that way, you know what I'm saying? So I, when I was like, I'm going to get Will a scholarship, and everyone was like, dog, we need him. I'm like, yeah, we need him. He needs to go to fucking Colorado. I could get another receiver at Chafee. And it's going to save the dude's life. It's going to help him for his career. And guess what? It'll get you more kids. Motherfucker's like, huh? I'm like, I get Will Jefferson a scholarship without playing for me. What the fuck does that tell you? Now that was in 09. I've already been, I was already coaching for nine years, eight or eight years or so. So I already had relationships built to make those calls. But I was like, dog, this is what I've been doing my whole life. So let me get this cat a scholarship, get him out of here, and we'll bring in another cat. And then Ivan Lilly ended up playing for us, and a couple other guys had good careers. And then uh, you end up doing that thing. I brought Brand, I brought Brandon Caldwell, who is in jail now, but I brought all the LA Jordan cats out. And uh, we had a AJ Tolbert from Compton, uh, six five kid. We had a lot of receivers. It was gonna we were gonna be loaded anyway. We had a lot of D one kids, and I was like, dog, get this cat a scholar. He's qualified. And uh, a lot of guys would have tried to like 
I, I've seen so many cats in JUCO, Will. Oh, we're going to redshirt you. Why? He's qualified. Get him the fuck out. And then you go have a hell of a career at Colorado, and Darian's calling me like, dog, this motherfucker's lighting it up. We got to put him at back. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we might have to put a cat at running back and shit. And I know you played all over the place early on in your career. Um, so how was the Colorado experience? How, how did it end up? Uh, man, it was great, man. It was overall, it was a good life experience, a growing experience, right? Like you take you take somebody out of Mobile, you know what I'm saying? And you put them in Boulder, Colorado, and it's a it's a different kind of challenge. You know, it's really different. Um, the first year, especially I, I played my first year, right? Like I came into school, they had it was known one receiver had to play. They had two, six, four receivers from Texas, you know. And I was here comes this guy who came in last minute, like literally the day of the day of fall camp. Who is this guy? Like they don't even got a back plate for his shoulder pads yet. But like that's just what we do, right? So we get active and now I'm playing. And it's like the perspective was, well, why would you want to not redshirt if you're not gonna be getting a ball? But it's something about that experience. I've always I've always seen the positive, right? So my freshman year was a lot of of the dirty work, right? Um, a lot of the blocking, a lot of the crackdown on this play, things like that, but it got me on the field. It got me exposure. It got me, you know, time to grow to that speed. So um, I embraced it. I think that's what ultimately led to me being able to be so flexible at school, you know, um, playing wildcat quarterback, kickoff returns, receiver, like just my willingness to just get in there and go, man. So um, I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, I, mean, I just took it all in stride. Like I definitely, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. I could have I maximized it more, right? Like I think that the one thing that I didn't do is, um, I felt rushed my first year, like, because like I was, you know, trying to balance school. I was away by myself. Like I was trying to rush the process. Right. So, um, after that first, that first semester, everything slowed down. That's when I started to see the uptick and I had a pretty good sophomore year. And, um, you know, we're going into our junior year and I'm, I'm about to, I'm one of the guys, right? Like I'm, I'm one of the guys and, um, Hell yeah. then they fire, you know, fire our coach and, um, and, you know, and things go from there and I ain't gonna get too much into all this, you know, the, 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 the bad side of it, but essentially, um, I was put on medical. I did have some, you know, minor injuries, but I was able to get cleared and go put up a thousand, you know, not not thousand yards, but a, you know, a nice season up my, you know, my senior year in Northern Colorado after that. And um, yeah, man. So like I, I say, like the biggest thing is when you first play football, you think like the success has to be the NFL. But like when I got on that plane and move out here, I succeeded because I was around people with different perspective, different life goals. Like. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like everyone there, that's the biggest part of college. It ain't the class. Like the degree means nothing. It's meeting yeah. people who like want to run businesses and different perspectives. And I got my boys in Memphis now. My boys in like, that's where it's like, it's been life-changing, man. Like, and I did get a degree, right? I did go run a bank after school. I and mean, I did, you know, all those things. But just, you know, something something touched to me that I wasn't done. So in 2016, I quit my job, a very good paying job, and been boxing full-time ever since. Hell yeah. Hey, do what you want to do, not what you have to do. That's what life is, man. So tell me about this guy. You 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 got you got this guy, Irvin. Uh, you know this guy, or you you sparred against him, or you know who he is, or anything about him? Um, I know a little bit about him. Um, it's um, it's a uh, it's a good test. Like um, he's a physical guy. Um, he's uh, very similar in size to me. Um, which is you know boxing's boxing's very unique. Like weight classes do matter, right? And that's the part of the thing about boxing. It's not about just what the you class are you guys. Uh, we are super welterweight, so we fight at 154, right? Um, and he, um, yeah, man, he's a hard fighter. He has a little bit more amateur background than me, I guess you could say. But um, at the end of the day, like, um, I come, you know, I've been, even though I like I'm in Colorado now, I spent the last four years in Detroit because that's where my uh, my family like is actually 
like from that way. And um, yeah. so I've been training out there with, you know, at, at Superbad with Tony Harris and, you know, over at Hype with like Coach Moss and some legendary people, man. So I just really have spent the last six years just really preparing for this. And I think people are seeing it now and it feels so like spur of the moment, but they don't realize, bro, like I quit a six figure job in 2016, like would end with like throughout the years thinking this will work out. All right. I was homeless at one point, right. Lost every relationship at one point, right. Lost family at one point and you have to stick it out. And like, now we're here now it's thriving, but uh, yeah, no disrespect to him, but he's going to sleep. I mean, it is what it is, right. It's the next step in my story. So I love him, but it's just like, you know, Genghis Khan said, if you had not committed the great sins you had committed, God wouldn't have set an evil like me upon you. So when it comes to April 20th, like he will go to bed and we will gear up and fight again in three weeks. And we're going to run it like that. And we're fighting Cali in August. And that's when we're going to go crazy. Oh, uh, so you fighting him again? No, not him. No, just that's okay, just like, gotcha. we're, we're going through. Yeah, no, nah, it won't be. No I got like, you. Yeah. So you got a whole management team, the whole thing. They set you all up. So you're going to be in Cali in August? Yeah, yeah, man. We got to, uh, you know, we don't want to cop too looking far, too far ahead. But there's people whose, whose job is to look at plan ahead. And yeah, yeah. You know, we're on track to have about, you know, a really exciting summer, you know, which which should conclude, you know, a nice a nice homecoming party that we got something planned for people back there and all. Oh yeah, hey, there's a lot of people out there that don't realize. So you come from the inner city, Moval, you you uh, you know, it, shit for a long time. This or still is. They call this the murder, right? A lot of cats when I was growing up in Compton, they a lot of cats moved out this way because it was cheap in the '90s, um, early 2000s, and uh, similar story. You remind me of when I I had Richard Sherman, his brother. Going to Compton Dominguez, growing up in a similar thing, but then he goes to Stanford. He's a 4.0. He's got a higher GPA than Chelsea Clinton, who is in his class. Um, you go to Colorado, math major. Like, people don't realize, like, dog, just quit judging books by the cover. Motherfuckers yeah. don't realize. Like, you went to Colorado. You was a qualifier out of high school. I knew that. A lot of cats were trying to get over on you, recruiting you. You go to Colorado math major uh somebody in the chat knows who you are they said you could do a rubik's cube in 60 seconds or less you still do that shit yes i can that's funny because uh when um when we were in orientation right so i got into school late so i went to the last orientation right and fortunately my best friend to this day uh shout out to quick he was uh he had missed the day so he had to redo it so mind you like i love i love this place right but boulder is not a very diverse place so you know we're walking around first day orientation and um, I got my backpack along my Rubik's Cubes on the side of my backpack, you know, because I'm a numbers nerd. Like I said, you can't judge me, really. But as we were going around, man, you know, they tell you to introduce yourself to people. And the the downside we realized was that people weren't asking us our name. It was just what sport we played, right? So it was just started. We started playing with them like, oh, no, we don't play sports. Like, you know, I'm an aerospace engineer and things like that. But um, that's when, like, I, people like, oh, like, you know, uh, people see the cues. I'm like, oh, you, you can't do that? You can do that? Or I'm like, yeah, man, like, how long does it take you? Like a minute max? And, like, you pass it around. They start throwing it. Everyone's trying to remix it up and mix it up. But it's math. So, like, when you give it back, it's the same. So, yeah, no, nah, it was a – that's funny you mentioned that because I used to really carry the Rubik's Cube, man, because it was – um. It's like a little game, man. It's fun to me. I don't know. I, I don't mind yeah. being I don't mind being a nerd and a killer at the same time. It don't bother me. Hell yeah. Hey. Shit. Hey, dog, chameleon. We gotta be chameleons. Uh, people don't, I used to have my quarterbacks do, download the app called, I think it was at the time it was called Blue Blocks. Okay. Remember that app? And you could you move blocks around and shit? Yeah, yeah. Hey, it makes QBs think fast. It makes you like think on the run and shit. I used to do checkers on the board. Uh, in chess, I used to have chess, and I'd have the receiver. You remember that? I had the chess, and that's how I taught formations. Like, 
Put your put your shit. Where who are you? The W, the Z, the X. Put your shit on the board. And I used to use that shit, and people don't realize that. But hey, shit. Some people are blessed with that shit, dog. I tell people all the time, like. Will Jefferson will come in and take a math test and pass it, and he'll never study the test. I will study the test for six weeks and fail it. And that's a you problem. That ain't my his problem. Like, it is what it is, dog. And, and people don't realize that, oh, I don't fucking know. He could t- – no, it, he don't need to study if he got it like that. It ain't bragging if it's true. Bragging. So, I don't know. People don't realize that shit. Um, What's your take on the transfer portal, man? I, I know it was it wasn't really a thing. Uh, it wasn't really big. Wilson was kind I of the first guy, huh? I love it, man. Like I wish it was a thing. You know, I mean, um, shout out to the NIL deals and all the boys getting their just due, right? Like, um, I wrote a paper in college about um, how the NCAA was, you know, in this very instance, right? Let me let me not say as a totality because it does a lot of good things, but in the instance of college football and basketball, man, it was, you know, really like you know modern day slavery. I described it as gladiators because people don't realize most gladiators were slaves, but it was incredible to think that this nonprofit can literally gross billions and the people that are putting their lives in the line get nothing out of it. Like, don't tell me about a degree. It's worth nothing, man. Like no, like no one has asked me to this day. Like I got the papers when I, when I my resume, when I left my last senior management job, they didn't ask like, would you study? They didn't ask about my classes, none of that. Right. So like that was never a fair trade-off to where like, there was times in college, and you know, man, being, being at the JUCOs and stuff where we literally can't eat because we can't take food from other people. And so, like, I think our lowest moment was I seen one of my freshmen, I ain't gonna talk about no names, but I seen him literally steal a rotisserie chicken out of the store, bro. And, like, so we, you know, trying to do the mentor thing and talk to the little homie. And I'm like, bro, time to fuck out. Like, nah, bro, because before we don't have it, we're gonna do what we gotta do. So, like, I can't really fault him for that. Like, I'm, I'm gonna try to tell him a better perspective, but, like, you can't, that ain't this. So if we got to run for this, I don't want to hear shit about it, you know? So seeing the transfer portal, I don't see it as like people are like, or, well, people don't, are not committed. Fuck that. Players were never committed. Coaches were never committed to these players. John Embry pulled a scholarship from me without medical evidence, right? And and back then, I didn't have the wherewithal to like challenge it. Like I had never even had an MRI before I had signed the paperwork to give them another scholarship to bring in recruits. I understood the business and it was what it was. And I was not bitter about it. I was what was for me is for me. You still going to pay for my schooling? Okay, bet. I'm going to go here and keep finishing my degrees and make it work for me because I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. But to say, like, the players are ruining the game with this shit, that shit's outlandish, bro. Like, you want to talk about how many years that we've had to literally build this shit. Mark Emmer, whatever the fuck his name is, is a private jet, bro. He ain't played a down. Fuck is we talking about? John Emery got a Benz, a Beamer, and a house to come to this fucking school and didn't win a fucking game. Fuck is we talking about? So, like, the transfer portal, I love that shit. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, anything can be abused, right? You want to have the grit. You want to have the world with all. You want to stick it out. But if somebody, if you and you and your family find a good path for you, that's going to succeed for you, people trying to hold you back for that for their own personal reasons, that's bullshit. That's that old, that's that, that's that, that's that um, Stockholm syndrome. So, fuck that. Transfer portal up. Keep doing y'all thing, man. Um, just make sure you got good people around you so you understand that, like, like, hey, am I just, I'm not giving up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm working hard, you know, you know, whatever it is. Okay, I grad, like, I love grad transfers, right? Because it says something about, like, hey, I was really committed to this process, right? Didn't work out, but it's like having a, it's like being in a relationship. Like, I ain't got to stay with you forever. You feel me? Like, shit, like, we wanted to be, but it didn't work out. So, I love Let me, it. Man. I, I, I hate the fucking portal, but this is why. I don't equate, I think you equate the portal and attach it kind of to the NIL. 
The NIL is fairly new. I grew up with the guy who started it, Ed O'Bannon, is who, you know, EA Sports took advantage. He sued. Um, see, I think the NIL is causing the portal to spiral out of control. And that's why I don't like the portal. I'm all for Like, Russell Wilson was the first real portal cat, but he was a grad transfer. I have yeah. no issue with a grad transfer, especially a QB. Now, yeah. If the coach leaves, I've talked about this all the time. I bash coaches all the time. I'm like, dog, you don't give a fuck about these kids. I already know that. A lot of coaches don't, you know, a lot of cats don't really know the ins and outs, Will, like we do. And mm-hmm. it's like a lot of these motherfuckers. Manny Diaz took the job at Temple, and in signing day, he left and took the job at Miami. And you got all those kids that just signed with you at your place, and if they can't leave, then you're fucking them. And I don't care. It's like people don't understand. Like it's to me, it's like a, it's like a privilege that they just slap in the face. Like you're a temple. I get it. You want to go back home, Miami. It's big school and all that. But dog, you 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 fucking committed to something, and now kids. We asking these kids to commit, and then they write out a decommit letter on Twitter that doesn't even the word don't even exist in the dictionary. By the way, decommit does not. There's no such thing. You either commit or you don't do it at all. And uh, I, now I think decommitting is a thing that is not only trickled from athletics, but into fucking society. And we're soft as runny baby shit. We don't have any like, like, Will, just imagine. If you went to Colorado and Embry tells you this, that, and the third, and you're like, man, fuck that. You weren't the cat to say, man, I'm going to fucking Colorado State tomorrow. You were gonna, you were gonna yeah. test the waters and figure yeah. out what this motherfucker is about. Is he really testing me? Is he really, is he really a bitch? Is he fucking me? You're yeah. gonna give it a little time. What yeah. the NIL has done is, is said, fuck that time. I don't have that time. I'm out now. I'm out tomorrow. When a guy like me could be testing Will, like motherfucker, I'm trying to build your ass into yeah. a man. Yeah. That is why I don't like the portal now because it's too easy to leave. You had to stay here. You had to. I definitely definitely think there needs to be some more boundaries. Like you notice, I went to the grad transfer right off the rip, right? Because, like I said, like my freshman year was difficult because people don't realize, especially when you're coming from a different place, right? Like there's going to be, I guess they call it like soul journey or whatever, when you uproot for a business purpose. But it's like when you first get there, yeah, it's exciting, man. It's new. It's what you always wanted. But shortly after that there's this period of uh, like disorientation because there's no familiar cues. So when you mention like a coach who you just, who you committed to move across the country for, he can up and leave and you got to stay there, but he ain't got to sit out of here. That's bullshit. But on the same side, like, yeah, nah, bro, my freshman year was going to be hard regardless. So that ain't a reason because it's hard. It's not a reason to just fucking give up either. So like, but you I knew that you knew that going in though. For sure. And see, nowadays we got cats going in, and not playing right away in the summer. They're not getting that starting spot. They're out of there. And I'm like, dog. And I, I just don't see how that's making cats better in life. Because, like, dog, now you got cats quitting their job. Like, you quit your job to go do something you wanted to do. We got cats quitting their job because they're getting yelled at, screamed at, or told what to do. And now they go home and try to be YouTubers or Instagram models. Like, they don't understand that. That's why we got motherfuckers stealing Amazon packages at an all-time high, dog. Cats don't want to go get it no more. It's crazy. Like, we're we're so enabled now, dog, and it's like – and I get it, though. You played. You want the best for the cat, the kids because you see what they go through. You see how coaches are shady. And I say that shit all the time. There's, there's coaches out here that are shady as shit, man. They don't give a fuck about the player. The players are a piece of meat in the meat market. Yeah. 
and that's just is what it is. So, I, yeah, not, I, you know, but I agree though. But for the record, I do agree. It should not be. You shouldn't be able to do it after your first year, like because you got to put. I mean, how would you know, man? You ain't putting at least two years, and you don't know, bro. Like, so I definitely think, like, for the record, I like it, but we got to hone it in because the freedom within it is what's allowing people to use it like AAU basketball now. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, no doubt. That's what it is. That's what it is, really. That's what it's turning into be. Uh, how you liking the XFL and, and all these other leagues? USFL, XFL. Um, did you wish that shit was around when you were playing? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I was people up. You don't know, man. I was I was booked to go to the league in Australia before it fell apart. Like, right? Like, I was I was all in for it. So, like, I mean, that's the thing about football it, and why I think it's the hardest sport to play because it has the shortest lifespan, man. And like, every athlete, you die twice, right? Like, you die when you die, and then when you can't play your sport. Like, it is a death if you've ever played a sport. And football has the highest death rate in that person, you know, that category because you have yeah. one league and one, like, B league above you that that's it, like, to do anything real, mm -hmm. right? So I'm all for it. I'll say I'm surprised the NFL was, you know, hasn't blocked it harder than they would. But we're at a day and age where it's, it's really hard to kind of do that. They've had it for a long time. But I love seeing it grow. It gives people more opportunities. And, like, that's what it's about, right? Like, we have this. Like, to your point, people are we're, we're making a softer society, right? Everybody gets a trophy. Like, look at, you know, I'm not going to ever misspeak about the first lady, but how could you invite the losers to the White House? Like, oh. when in the history of the world have we, like, we 2-0 in world wars. Like, come on, man. Like, we, what are we preaching? Like, come on, bro. Like, but. No, we, I, I say, hey, right here, look. I say it every day. I, I put on T-shirts, Will. Mediocrity is the new excellence, dog. Yeah. I mean, that's that's real shit. That's what we are now. It's like. We, we expect that shit to be given to everything given to us. We don't got to earn shit no more. And let's give everybody. Dog, tonight begins the NBA fucking play-in series. What the fuck is that? Like, I couldn't even explain to you. So if the Lakers win tonight, apparently they move on. But if they lose, they go back and they get to play the winner of the 10 and the 9 seed. And the winner of that can still be in and play the 7. And then if 7 wins, they can play the 9. It's like, dog, what the fuck are we doing? Like I, I don't get it, man. It's it's uh, it's some interesting shit nowadays, man. But I, but shit, man, you're persevering through this thing, man. I can't wait to see you uh on the twentieth. Um, where is it at, Aurora? Yeah, it's in Aurora, Colorado. Um, at the Stampede over here off Hamden, man. Uh, the show starts at seven, doors open at six. Uh, a lot of other great fights on the card, man, including um my boy Jay. Are you the main card? Uh, I'm the co-main. Uh, uh, my boy Jaden, he's actually 11 and 0, going for a belt. So that rightfully so, he's the main event. But I'll be right okay. before that. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we're looking to keep doing big things. Um, I do have a team and a whole staff, and um, we are we have we are we are accelerating the pedal um, because we have put a lot of work in beforehand. Right, we could have jumped right in and learned on the job, but we spent years learning first. So now this is why it's going to look it's going to look very beautiful when we do it, man. So man, if ever, and also it's on pay per view. So I will post the link to you. I'll send it to you if you can't. Can't make it. Um, it's on pay per view. Nineteen ninety nine. Not the most expensive thing in the world. Um, oh hell yeah! I'm good. I'm getting that. What's the link? You know the link. You know what the link is right now? Um, I got a copy in my phone. Can I put it in the chat or something? Is that yeah, if you can. Yeah, put it in the chat. Put it in the chat real quick. Yeah, man. Cause uh, yeah, all support is appreciated. And um, at the end of the day, oh, I'm, 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 hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up in my on my on my fuck in my theater in my cigar lounge. I'm gonna pull it up and film that bitch and post it on social media. You don't have Twitter and shit, huh? I, you know, it's funny because, like, I'm just now getting, um like, good with the social media. I think I put that in there, right? Did something pop up? Oh, you put it. Oh, hold on. You put it in the private chat. Yeah, I'm going to get it. I got it. All right. My bad. Yeah. So to that point, right, like, I had a Twitter. 
all those things. But like even my Instagram used to be private until I, I you know, signed with my manager. He's like, he's really helping me kind of get out of my shell because it's just hard for me to be open with a lot of my the stuff I care about. Like I don't I don't have a lot of friends and things like that. But um, as far as the business side go, I got to do that. But I do got an Instagram and a Twitter and a Snapchat. It's all under Ill Will the Great. I've had it all. Um, I just uh, I'm getting better at the social media because it's like um. Before, you know, like, I'm very old school, man. So, like, if you wasn't fucking with me before, fuck you now was my mentality, right? That isn't how I grew up, you know what I'm saying? But it's not a, as you mature, you understand that, like, just because somebody ain't with you right now doesn't mean they're not fucking with you. And that's what my people know about me. Like, I may not talk to you for six weeks because I'm in camp, but if you call me, I'm there, right? So, like, as I'm embracing that more and, um, you know, still growing and healing on my own from the trauma that I have, like, I'm becoming more and more open to share my story with people. Um, and, um we're going to do that, you know, through this movie. We, we are building a whole movie series. Like, yeah, it's going crazy, man. We're about to have some fun. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, you got a lot of fans in here already. I appreciate you coming in, man. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to watch that bitch. I'm definitely getting it, and I'm going to post that bitch on everything, man. And uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. I they to keep deleting my Instagram, though. I, I guess I cuss too much. But it is what it is. Hey, you can show your pussy and titties, though, and you straight. But I'm just trying to figure out the rules yeah. myself. If you say damn, they ban your ass. I, hey, dogs verified with 150,000 followers. They just delete my shit. Fuck it. I'm like, damn. Uh, yeah. Is what it is. Hey, man, much love to you. I got to get with you, man. Hey, you got a family? You got kids and shit? Hey, yeah, man. I just had my first son October 5th. Uh, shout out to my baby boy, Dakota William Jefferson. Congrats. Congrats. He going to be a baller or whatever it is he wants to be. Uh, that's good to hear, man. I'm, I'm glad. I was wondering if you did or not. Um, I think I saw it on Facebook. That's why I was yeah, like, first one, first one. I mean, yeah, first one. But I'm, I'm eternally blessed and happy. He's healthy. Um, it was, you know, but having babies during these last, you know, years has been hard with the health stuff. He has some health. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. About pain, pain is watching doctors spinal tap your 11 day old baby. That's pain. Like, yeah, that's no pain. doubt, no I mean, doubt. So I'm, we healthy now. We happy. All good stories. So yeah, man, we living. We blessed and we about to share the story with y'all, you know, in this boxing ring. Hell yeah. Hey, man, go get it. Hey, shit, we don't lose. We win or we learn, brother. Shit. Hey, you know how it shit. is. Um, much love, dog. Go go enjoy it. Be safe out there, and I'll be watching you on the 20th. All right, coach. I appreciate you, man. We tap in when I get to Cali, man. All right, Will. Peace. All right. Uh, Will Jefferson. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, man, those are the stories that uh, – that I love to share because those are the guys that, uh, hey, man, never played for me, and you couldn't tell the difference. You wouldn't know if I never – if I would have said he played for me the whole time and then just now, right now, I'm telling you, hey, man, that motherfucker never played one down for me. You would never have known that. You would have never known that. That is the relationships that you build in order to get the guy, and that's not being done this right now. The, the – NCAA coaches don't build those relationships right there where they can't, they don't even coach the kid. And then 14 years later, he's still coming on your show talking about the story. That's not happening no more. Sorry, that's just is what it is. I keep relationship with all those guys. And even if he didn't play for me, guess what? I'm more proud that I got him a scholarship without playing for me. Why don't you ask Dontrell Barkley? Why don't you ask a bunch of these other cats that I got at Indy that I got D1 scholarships for and never played for me? Dog, it ain't about me. It's about us.
But you guys don't realize that. A lot of you guys don't do it. They'll keep hating on me like they know me. But it is what it is, dog. Shit happens. That's what it is. And, uh, hey, so be it. Um, hey, I'll be back in about four minutes. Steve Kim joins me. And uh, we're going to get after it. Appreciate you guys. Pound the like button for me. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Let me ask you this. This is a, this is a totally different subject because I'm sitting here watching this NASCAR and I've had this conversation with multiple people. NASCAR drivers, athletes or no? Yes, this is why. Um, now, the, I define an athlete by a cat that can, that looks decent shooting a jumper, that has a natural golf swing, that right. can bowl a strike, that can throw a football that can get on the bench and hit 225. Like, I look at a guy and define him as that. Like, I could do all those things. I know I you do all that. Pat McAfee, he, 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 you could tell Pat McAfee when he was a he was a kicker in the NFL, but you could tell he could do all those things I just mentioned. Agreed. And people don't know. Some guys get out and be a stiff, horrible-looking golf club. Like, right. these are, like they're good as an old lineman, but then are nothing else, right, or, or whatever you want to – anyone like that. Yep. I define athletes that way that can play anything, even like shoot a shoot some pool or you know anything, any sport they're good at. I think that's the great athletes. So this is why I say this. I've got to know some NASCAR drivers. From so, what they have told me and what I've heard, yeah, is they are literally they do not recover in between races because of how their how bad their body gets beat up. From race to race, they right. never recover fully. Right. Uh, kind of like football, we don't, get, you know, we don't get the soreness out for three, four days. Right. They they don't ever get it out between races. Right. Like so, they get banged up. It is a collision sport. So football and NASCAR were the only two, by definition, collision sports in the world. Hockey, basketball, and baseball considered contact. Contact. Sport. Right. Right. So football no longer is collision, in my opinion. <laughs> What's your take on it? I'm with you on that. So my, my take is, if, if you're going to call race car drivers athletes, tell me the athletic movement they're performing while doing their sport. Gas, not clutch break, gas clutch break shift. That's not an athletic movement. I mean, look, let's be honest. You've got 16-year-old kids on the street right now doing it. I mean, highly skilled. Great hand-eye coordination. Balls. Fearlessness toughness have to be in some sort of physical shape to to go through the entire nascar season right and circuit all of that what's the athletic movement of turning left again and so if they're athletes fighter pilots are the greatest athletes who ever lived because they're going whatever they're going one little mistake one little turn of that yoke and you're dead and you know, it's a good right? conversation dog i so so listen i i respect what they all right, all right, all right, all right, my boy Tyoka Jackson. I gotta get him back on the show. We're gonna we're gonna debate the NASCAR is an athlete thing. I'm gonna have uh, Mr. Rice on my show. He owns a NASCAR team, and uh, he'll be on the show soon. We're gonna break that down. I'm gonna ask him if NASCAR drivers are athletes or not. Ah, shut up. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Will's a good dude, man. Good kid. Um, grown man now. Shit. Um, can't wait. We're going to get into this thing, man. We're going to get into this. Uh, 
into this deal. I got to get into this, though. Um, Twitter. Twitter is now X Corporation. No, Twitter Inc. no longer exists. Um, I don't know if you can see that. Let me see if I can make it bigger. That's what she said. Um, Twitter is now X Corporation. Um, pursuant in the federal rule in Nevada. Defiant Twitter Inc. and his successor in interest, X Corp. And state follows. Twitter Inc. has been merged into X Corp. And no longer exists. Very interesting. Um, very, very interesting to say the least. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Um, Twitter is horrible now. I, I got to be honest. It's really bad. I heard that the first guy that started it, what's his name, Jack or whatever? Um, I think Jack, I heard, is super pissed off, but it's too late now, dog. You got purchased by the richest man in the world, and uh, you're not getting it back. Unfortunately, Twitter it has is horrible. Um I'm just going to tell you, I keep getting these emails about I have to I'm going to lose my verification so that I can buy a new verification to prove who I am. It, it ain't going to happen, homie. It ain't happening. I will be unchecked. It is what it is. I will be unchecked. Um, I will be unchecked. And, <laughs> you know. I don't know why the real big guys, like the big people, why don't the big people in the world, like the guys that are really checked, like, I, dog, I got my verification, I think just taking a piss one day, I checked out my phone, and there it is, checked. I, I'm just curious as to why, like, you see this motherfucker sending rockets into space, well, there's your t eight bucks, or whatever it is. So, the coaches JB show the show account on Twitter. I think it has like 8,000, 9,000 followers. I don't know what it has. We're going to make that verified because of the longer videos is all like you can have like, I guess, 10 minute videos. If you subscribe to Twitter blue. Um, so that's the reason we're going to make last chance Q and coach JB show into blue or whatever it is. But if they take my check mark away, which makes absolutely no sense. And so they're basically going to have however many hundreds of millions of followers or subscribers Twitter has paying 10 or eight, 11 dollars. Dog, I'm not subscribe. I'm not contributing to this motherfucker. I'm not going to prove that who I am. But if the motherfucker didn't I say this? when this thing was going to happen long time ago, didn't I say, why don't we have two color check marks or how about we don't even have a check mark for the real ones. So if you're real, you don't even have a check mark. Now that everybody has a blue check mark, these motherfuckers have four followers with a blue check mark. Why do they have the same check mark as everyone else? I'm confused. Like I'm over the Twitter thing. And maybe it's that time, dog. Maybe we get back to our grassroots and get off social media. Fuck it. Maybe everything does come full circle. <laughs>
maybe, maybe, maybe everything does come full circle. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Blue, the Boston Terrier. He said, uh, why are grown men so concerned with social media? It's feminine and weak. Well, maybe you don't make money on social media. I do, bitch boy. (laughs) Now, I can argue that you're a bitch and you're as feminine as it gets. And you probably have a dick, but yet a bitch. So that's what it is. Uh, gonna ask Steve Kim some boxing questions here in a couple minutes, but first I gotta get you started with this motherfucker. This motherfucker right here. Oh man, look at him. He's pointing to go. He Bay Ruth in this motherfucker. He's pointing. He's saying, I'm going with it. I'm going yard. That motherfucker going yard. <laughs> Ah, that motherfucker's hurt. He hit his hand. That motherfucker hit his hand, and now he's crying. He gonna run to the house crying. This motherfucker, god damn. What are we doing, dog? What are we doing? Oh, my goodness. That motherfucker got up there and pointed yard. Holy shit. That shit is comical. That is comical. Let me ask you guys something real quick. Uh, I want to ask you guys real quick something uh, interesting. What is this? I want to know what that is. That's a lot of shit. That is a lot of fucking chemtrails or whatever the fuck. Everybody's worried about these conspiracy chemtrails. That is a lot of chemtrails. I ain't seen that many motherfucking chemtrails in a long time. I want to know where the fuck, what are all those damn chemtrails? Is that like, were they fucking, is it a, a, was it an air show? Was there an air show? Um, (laughs) If I saw that many chemtrails over me, I'd be a little alarmed, dog. I'd be a little bit alarmed. I got to be honest. I got to be a little bit alarmed. I'm being honest with you. Uh, I got to be a little, I'd be a little bit alarmed. Um, Shout out to Cordell Shannon. He sent me uh, this kid. His name is Curtis. Barstool Sports put out this kid. Uh, There's another video of him. Oh, man, I can't put this kid on there no more, dog. Oh, my God. I got to show this video soon. Um, Oh, that shit is funny as hell. Uh, Steve Kim's getting ready to come on in and join us. Uh, I'm going to talk to him about the biggest uh, NFL bust uh, that he remembers. Uh, You know... Let's see if Steve jumps in here in a minute, um, getting his thing figured out. It's California uh, internet. I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to get into some quarterback quarter, quarterback coaches and assistant coaches salaries today. I'm going to get into that, and I'm going to show you the outlandish amount of money some of these slapdicks are making 
and I have the I have it all right here on paper. I just got it. So gonna do that um, later on after Steve Kim joins us. Steve Kim, what up? Morning. What's going on, Coach? That shirt should say "You Basketball." My ass. My ass. Hey, uh, I came out the other day on Twitter, and I came out and said, I don't care if you get injured or not, Steve. I don't care. I don't care if you, unfortunately, you know, I, I know I'll get canceled for saying this, but I don't care if you unfortunately pass away. What? You are a bust. Are you not? If you, okay, let me ask you this, Steve. I'll just ask you this one question. I know you're going to get, I know I did, I dive into the controversy early with you waking your ass up in LA. Is Lynn Bias a bust or not? I, I hate to say that. I think he's a tragedy. I, I, I've always said that if Michael Jordan was a 10, Lynn Bias is a 9.999. Athletically and physically and fundamentally, he was as good as any player I saw in the ACC. If he has a natural conclusion to his life and career, the Celtics probably win another two titles with Larry Bird, if not three. And I'm not so sure the Lakers ever win another one because he was the guy that was going to be able to match up with James Worthy out on the wing. That, that was always the toughest matchup for the Celtics. While the Lakers never really had an answer until they got Michael Thompson for um, Kevin McHale. You know, Len Bias, I can honestly tell you, it's one of those moments in my life, Coach, that changed my life for the better. I'll never forget, I'm at La Merced Interme Intermediate, uh, last week of school, eighth grade year, you're going into high school, so it's a marking of time, and I'll never forget that when he died, and we, all of us found out it was cocaine, I, I, I knew right then, I'm never taking that stuff. And I'm not a teetotaler, I do drink, you know that. Um, I don't do hard drugs, though. That right there, I said to my – because remember, there was another really big death. Um, there was a safety that was an All-American at UCLA, began that great tradition. After Kenny Easley, then it was Don Rogers. Yep. And he was going to have a really nice career with the Cleveland Browns. He died about two weeks after that. So those two instances – had an impact on my life as if to say, you know what? Stay away from the hard stuff. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. And so I've never even come close to it. I'm afraid of it. Um, I just think there's nothing good that can happen from it. But I, I would say Len Bias is a tragedy. I hate to call him a bust. I mean, he was so good. He literally would have been a 25 to 30 point a game score. Uh, he could jump out the gym. But coach, I've never seen a guy that could jump so high but his jump shot was so graceful and when he got to the top of his jump his form was absolutely perfect and i don't even think he really lifted weights all that much but he had this natural physique and you're like jesus he was chiseled and it's a damn shame what happened yeah um reminded me of the legendary um watts verbum day unfortunate similar situation uh Got to play at Cal State LA, lit up Doug Collins for 63 before Doug was uh, put into the Olympics. Marcus Johnson and Bill Walton talk about it to this day. Uh, you know, legendary Verbum Day player, passed away, I think, in 03, had a double amputee, came into Verbum Day gym, and in his wheelchair, never missed a shot from three-point land. And I was like, 
Jesus Christ, uh, legendary guy. But that's those goat stories you hear about. I, I don't know. I'm torn. I, I, you know, he was drafted, and I think once you're drafted and you're highly drafted, I think you have a kind of an obligation to live up to that uh, draft pick. I think Zion Williamson right now, if it ended today and he doesn't play again, Steve, he is a bust. No, my- no doubt about that, Coach. This is why teams do background checks. This is why they ask guys like you, what's this kid like? That's why they ask the janitor. That's why they ask the t- a team manager. That's why they ask the uh, student trainers, the interns, the staff members, the biology teacher. What's this kid like? That's why when people pass off Jalen Carter, oh, it's okay. He's only had 18 incidences since the end of the year. Don't worry about it. Really? You're telling me that's no red flag. Really? I completely got blasted by the woke. That said he was a character issue, and then they blasted him. Uh, uh, Todd McShay? Was it? Yeah, uh, Todd McShay. Right, and I think a lot of it is how dare a white guy criticize a black young young black kid. Let's just be honest about it. But That's what they said, though. That's exactly what they said. And then he had to issue an apology, right? And why? then what, two weeks later, what, Jalen Carter arrested? <laughs> you know, to say that NFL teams are not concerned about Jalen Carter off the field would be dishonest with that many issues. I'm not saying he's a criminal, but I do think that's a little bit habitual what's going on. Uh, so I just, look, this is why you do background issues. As it relates to Zion Williamson, if you're not doing everything you can within your power to make sure your weight is under control, which is then going to determine your health and your ability to play above the rim and to be explosive, that is on you. You're being lazy. I mean, look, at least Sean Kemp had about, what, six or seven all-star games, about eight or nine kids before he gained all that weight in Cleveland. Uh, Zion simply cannot get on the court consistently enough. Okay, let me ask you this. If today John Morant got caught again in a titty bar with a gun and is banned from the NBA... In my definition, JB's bust definition, John Morant would be a bust. Yes. That's how be. I call it. I mean, there's different type of bust. There's busts like Ryan Leaf, just attitude, can't play. Jamarcus Russell, same kind of thing. Michael Olawa Candy was kind of a bust. Uh, the guy Bennett that got drafted out of UNLV number. That's all the bust because they can't live up to their potential because they cannot be good, solid citizens. So it's not just about ability. There's a lot of guys with ability, but if you cannot produce, and that's what your job is, you know, I'm so sick of hearing saying, well, they're more than just athletes, right? But they get paid for their athletic ability. We have to be honest about it. They get paid for their ability to get yards, put the ball in the bucket, hit the baseball hard. And if you do anything that impedes that or retards the progress of your athletic ability, that's an issue. Really, it is. Nobody is paid solely for their citizenship or what they can do off the court. You are paid for your ability to produce on that field. Or the court. I agree. That's why I say, like, here's the thing, Steve. I I came out on Twitter and Ryan Leaf got mad and Ryan Leaf tried to come at me and I, I go, listen, first of all, Twitter, if you don't use commas and shit, it comes out as a bad tweet when I should have had a comma in there and I would have said uh, worded a little different. 
I didn't apologize. I just told Ryan Leaf, I said, I didn't, I didn't mean to attack you in that way. What I meant was in 10 years, it does not matter if it was drugs in your case, if they call you a bus from performance or if Dwayne Haskins oh. crossed the street and died. Well, bottom line is this. But are you going to say, Steve, in 10 years? Oh, Zion was uh, an injury bug. And Are you going to give me this elaborate sentence, or are you going to say he was a bust? That's Look. what I get. Like, we're going to say that, 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 that Lynn Bias was a bust. You're not going to say – now, I make, it makes sense what you just said, a tragedy. I guess that's a one-word answer. But it's not going to be a long, out, drawn-out explanation. In 10 years, we're going to say Zion's a bust. When you look back at a draft and you are a top five or the number one pick, people look at production. I'm not saying it doesn't matter what the reasons are, but if I look back at a draft and I don't know the name and I say, hey, number one pick, oh, the guy only played four years, only averaged eight points. Was that number one pick worthy? I, I, I hate to break it down so simply, but Ryan Leaf should know better than anybody. It doesn't matter what the reasons are. His career turned out the way it did. Now, look, I think Ryan Leaf has become a great job, uh, has been a great story of rehabilitation, reclamation, rebuilding his life, being a great object lesson and being a lesson for future generations of players. I really admire him, but he ought to know this more than anybody. His teammates in, in San Diego, I don't even think they cared that much about his personal habits. The problem is those personal habits really affected that whole team because he was not a pro. And when you he literally had some of the worst games ever at quarterback. And I don't know the reasons fully why, but we kind of have an inkling. He was a bust. As a player, he's turned out to be a really solid citizen, and that's great in itself. But he ought to understand the reality and how harsh this thing is. Coach, you are judged on your play and production. And let's that's not overcomplicate this. Hey, when you sit in this chair... The last thing they judged me for was wins and losses. I don't really yeah. get a lot of information. Hey, man, you did a hell of a job getting Jermaine Johnson to the NFL. No, my last season was 2-8 and eight because we had a horrible nucleus. I can make up all the excuses in the world. We, we went 2-8. and eight. Now, if you coach long enough, you're going to have that shitty year. 20 other years, I never had that bad of a year. But you know what? It is what it is. People judge you on your last performance. It's what have you done for me lately. Ryan Leaf's last hoorah was being a bust. Greg Oden, in my opinion, I know he's injured, Steve. He's a bust. I mean, there's so many guys. Darko, bust. I mean, they took him above Carmelo Anthony. Here's oh. my rationale, Steve. Zion was the number one overall pick coming from Duke, playing for possibly the greatest college basketball coach ever besides John Wooden. And then you sign a huge $100 million Nike or whatever he went with uh, Reebok or whoever his, his shoe deal was, you don't perform after all that. You're a bust, in my opinion. Like, look, when you're a number one pick, there is a different type of pressure to be a franchise-changing player. He has not been that. And a lot of people expected him to kind of take that baton from LeBron James down the line as the face of the league. I mean, I, I remember still the first time I ever saw Zion was really on Twitter. Various accounts would put highlights of him as almost a sophomore 
doing these windmill dunks. And I'm like, geez, this guy's jumping out of the gym. And he's kind of built like a left-handed Charles Barkley or a Corliss Williamson. And he's got this explosion. But there was always these questions about his body type and how thick he was that he's a couple of biscuits away from being really thick to being heavy. And he's never managed his weight. Say what people forget about Charles Barkley. When you let Auburn, he had all these nicknames, round mounder, rebound, all that stuff, right? Boy Gorge. But he actually was in very good shape early on in his Sixer career. Got a guy by the name of Moses Malone, took him under his wing, and he became one of the great power forwards ever. This whole notion about Charles Barkley being this jolly fat guy, that's a stereotype. Maybe that was true as days with the Rockets, and now he plays up on it on TNT. But throughout most of his career, he actually managed his weight very, very well. He did his part. Um, Zion Williamson has Hall of Fame ability. His work ethic, I think, is poor. And there seems to be a lot of whispers that he's not doing his part. So now what? He's in his third, fourth year. I don't know what that franchise does with him. What is his trade value if there is any at this point? Yeah, I don't know, man. I wouldn't take him. That's like Lamar Jackson, why no one took him. He tested the water, Steve, and he found out they were really, really bloody. And he was like, I'm not jumping no, in there. Let's be fair. Lamar's won an MVP. He's made yeah. some Pro Bowls. I, I don't think that's a fair comparison no, no, no. for What Jackson. I'm saying is, though, like, at least he does have an MVP and still don't have yeah. the suitors that we thought he would have. That's like, that, that was just well, kind of like. you let your mother or someone else unqualified represent uh, you, that, that's a whole different story, what, what's happened there. Yeah, transitioning to Lamar, um, OBJ, apparently he was uh, luring OBJ into becoming a uh, Raven. What is your take on this whole thing? I haven't got to talk to you. Uh, $15 million for a 30-year-old with double reconstructive knee surgery twice seems a little bit high, and it seems like if I was Lamar, Steve, I have an interesting take. I don't know if I'll go on Whitlock or not, but I would. it's a slap in the face to Lamar. Like, you sent $15 million on this guy. You could have gave me that $15 million on top of the other money you offered me and went out and got a few journeyman wide receivers because – they're going to double-team 30-year-old OBJ, and you're not a completely great, pure-passing quarterback to where I'm just going to be precision-sitting balls in there on OBJ right when he turns around. This ain't happening, Steve. Like, OBJ is going to be well, like, <laughs> like, he's going to be upset very soon. Well, he's used to making acrobatic catches. Maybe it's perfect, but uh, here's... The reality so is going to be the tip of the ball. Catch. Yeah, well, the reality with Odell is I think at this stage he's better off being a second or third receiver. I actually I, I said this on Whitlock yesterday. His contribution to the Rams was very solid that Super Bowl year as a complimentary part to Cooper Cup. And that's what he should be. He's no longer a bona fide one. He isn't. I don't know if this signals the return of Lamar Jackson. I do think that, if, let's say Lamar does return to the Ravens uh, under any circumstance. There's going to be a lot of buzz. People will be excited. Lamar and, um, you know, Odell back there. But again, now you have to work at the chemistry thing of this whole thing. You got to throw together. You got to learn each other. They got a whole new system with Todd Munkin. 
So I, I, I don't know. Like, so number one, you have a guy that's probably in the back end of his career. He's no longer in his physical prime. You got a quarterback that's not what you call the purest passion in the world. Then I don't think they're spending a lot of offseason time together as of yet, right? We're now into April. Then you got to learn a new system. Tell me any of that, which is really piecing together good. Coach. Here's, my, here's my thing, though. Like, you signed this guy to a $15 million, what, one-year deal? Or yeah. Two? I think one, it's a one-year deal, isn't it? Okay, one-year deal, Steve. Lamar, OBJ, it's not like he's going to be there for seven years. Like, he's not a guy that can play long-term. How are you going to sign Lamar long-term if OBJ's not going to be there next year? Yeah. Look, OBJ at this stage seems to be at the mercenary level where he's just a, a higher gun, and maybe this was just the best offer he had for this particular year. But this, I never would have imagined a year ago that this is where we're going to stand with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not, I don't know who's at fault. I'm not an NFL insider. But generally, with a quarterback in their prime, all right, who's already won an MVP that's accomplished what he has, it doesn't get to this point. It really doesn't. So I don't know what's going to happen here. But again, kids, if you're listening out there, hire a real agent. That's the lesson here. Hire real representation. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have it. What are you doing April 20th, man? You got to come out to the house. Uh, I just had uh, my former player on. I played in Colorado. He played receiver for me. He's making his uh, boxing debut on the 20th pro boxing debut. Um, he's been training out in Detroit. With some people I think you know, but he's fighting uh this kid right here on the right. The kid <laughs> on the left, Will Jefferson's my kid, uh played at Colorado. He's fighting on the 20th in Aurora on pay-per-view, and I'm gonna get it and watch it. And I was like, let me get Steve Kim to come watch it with me and show me uh if my main man has a shot at a future at this sport. Um April 20th, that's like a Thursday, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, because I think the 22nd is the Ryan Garcia Tank Davis fight. So that's a Saturday. So he's fighting on a Thursday. Yeah, I can come down, hang out, have barbecue, Thursday night barbecue. I <laughs> These football players better be very careful when they box. This is a different game. I've seen guys try to do it for years. They're good athletes. But number one, they don't know how to breathe. They don't know how to be a three-minute athlete instead of a six-second athlete. Uh, the physical strength or the muscle buildup that they have in one sport does not translate to boxing. Um, the other thing is they're not used to getting punched in the face. So now, he 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 hasn't played football. He he graduated in Colorado back in 2013. He's been boxing ever since. Um, he's been in Detroit training with some. I, he just told me on. He just came on before you. Something Harris, you know Harris, Patrice Harris. That is My, name, Bo Boogie Patrice Harris. Well, he's out of DC. I don't know if that's him, but you know Detroit has gyms, world famous Kronk. But it, it is such a tough transition. I mean, I remember Ed Tutal Jones as a kid. I actually knew one of his stablemates, the great Ray Boom Boom Mancini. And I've asked her. I said, Ray, what was Tutal like? And he said, Steve, Tutal was a gentleman. He worked hard, very conscientious. Very respectful of the game, but the learning curve was so great. Because if you remember, Coach, in 1979, Tutal Jones was an all-pro level defensive end. 
um, I guess he had some contractual issues with the Cowboys. He thought, I'm going to box. And it didn't work out. A little Mexican guy knocked him down. And I think it was a dose of reality. And by 1980, he was back on the doomsday front. So I, I think it's very hard. I've, I've known football players that have tried to box. I remember Quatrine Hill, good friend of mine, played at the U about 20 years ago. I met him at Wild Card. We got to know each other real well. He did okay, except again, it's really a late start. Um, a couple of months ago, I was watching ESPN as uh, a top-ranked card, and a young heavyweight that won a silver medal in the Olympics, or medal, the name is Richard Torres out of Fresno, he fights a guy by the name of James Bryant, who actually went to Miami, was a teammate of Quatrine for a season before he transferred. He got knocked out in a minute. So it's tough. Look, these are these are some great athletes, but I really think boxing, you have to do that very young. It is such a specialized sport. Train, muscle train, right? Yeah, and you have to learn how to breed. Like the America's best young heavyweight is a young man out of Toledo, Ohio. I think he's really good. His name is Jared Big Baby Anderson. Yeah, and, he yeah, looks like, yeah. and he looks like a kid that played football or basketball. He's six. He's been boxing his whole life, huh? Right. And I and I asked him uh, a couple of years ago. I said, Jared, what other sports did you play? And he said, nothing, nothing organized. I said, wait, you never played basketball or football. He goes, no, only street ball, maybe in the backyard. But in terms of organized sports, all I ever did was boxing, and it is such a advantage for him because he knows how to breathe he's been doing it his whole life he knows that the how to take punches he's going to be a heavyweight champion post tyson fury Usyk. he's got it i like him i, I saw it the other day uh yeah. all right i got a couple fan questions um the 22nd as you mentioned um garcia um who's fighting garcia yeah it's ryan garcia against tank davidson and i'm going to say it again Tank Davis wins that fight. Too strong, too heavy of a puncher. Uh, the weight clauses and the rehydration limits, they don't help. Uh, but over time, if Ryan Garcia does not land that bolt of lightning in the first three rounds, Tank Davis just begins that forward march and then begins Tiananmen Square. Let me ask you this. Um, is that Mayweather's, like, disciple? The Mayweather promoted him early on in his career. I, I guess they still have a relationship, but that's been a rocky relationship. Uh, Tank, <laughs> Tank has been that rebellious young man, and Floyd and Tank don't see eye to eye. There have been some personal issues, and I get the sense, and this is one of the downfalls of Mayweather as a promoter. I don't think he wants anyone to be as big as he ever was. Not that it could actually happen, but in my view, if you're going to be a promoter, no matter who you are as a fighter, you want that next generation for your own company to be as good as you are. Now, that's not going to happen because Floyd was a special, rare talent. But there have been times, and it's funny what happens with Gervonta Davis. He'll complain about Floyd or his promotional situation, and everyone automatically on Twitter, Coach, screenshots it because in 10 minutes, he'll delete it. It's like clockwork. So yeah. I... I have a whole folder full of deleted Tank Davis screenshots in my phone. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, wow, that's interesting. I, so, 
I don't know about this whole thing. Aaron, I, I think, though, Sean Salisbury and I are doing another sh- episode tonight, and I'll get you the links so you don't have to do that. Here's the thing about it. We both believe Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, this whole debacle needs to be sorted out before the 27th of April, which is that Thursday in Kansas City as the ball drops for the round one first pick as the Carolina Panthers go on the clock. We believe that has to happen. Or there's going to be a lot of, lot of tough scenarios out there for a top 10 guys picking. Yeah, uh, coach, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I don't I don't get this. He came on Pat Mack, and this is not a knock on McAfee because that's a great get. I'm going to the Jets. I said, okay, well, that's become the uh, Spence Crawford announcement of the NFL. Uh, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen? I, I thought he put the Packers in a bad – I thought he put everyone in a bad situation. Because what if one side is not happy with their side of the deal? Just because Aaron Rodgers came off of his uh, wilderness retreat, you know, doing whatever he does in the darkness, meditating for 18 hours with uh, Tibetan monks, does not mean that a deal is done. <laughs> He's become a bit of a headache. I, I It's disappointing to see. It is, man, and I think it's going to be the same way with Lamar. I don't know if he plays under the tag or not, or did he just tell his boy OBJ, hey, I'll get you 15 mil, but I don't know if I'm going to be Coach, here. I, comp- I don't know if uh, McChesney's changed his mind, but I don't get this whole thing. Is he still – does anyone still think it's a great idea if he sits out the first 10 weeks and you integrate him into the offense? I don't, <laughs> I don't see that scenario being a positive one for anybody. Yeah, I don't either. Um I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very confused on this thing. Here's my. T- I want to get your take on something. Sean and I were talking about the, the Indianapolis Colts find themselves in a very, very, very peculiar situation. Not only their pick in the draft, but we kind of went through it last yesterday. Uh, top four pick. That pick that they are in, um, number four. Like, who are you getting, Steve? Are you getting Will Levis? Are you getting Anthony oh, Richardson? No. Either one of those guys help your team. At this point, you got you might as well roll with fucking whoever they got, Foles, and go get you Will Anderson or some difference maker because there ain't a quarterback left after the first two go to Houston and Carolina, which we probably think. Who are you taking in Indianapolis? I would put that number four pick up for auction and try to get a first-round pick in return in the first half and some other draft choices later on. Uh, it, it To me, it, it is such a steep drop-off from Stroud and Young to the other two guys who I believe are developmental guys. Now, look, if you're going to draft Will Levis, who's Nuke Nalouche, million-dollar arm, 10-cent head, and Anthony Richardson, who's a scattershot. I have never seen so much hype over a guy that completed 53% of his pass. I don't get it. Maybe he'll develop right in front of our eyes. Maybe he'll be the next Josh Allen, but he's not ready to play early. I actually believe that you might be better off. Can you hear me? Coach? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my view is this. Hendon Hooker's an interesting draft choice early on, right? Um, but not in the first. Jake Hayner's a guy we like out of Fresno, right? Um, Also, is another quarterback that I like. DTR is a good developmental guy. 
I I just think if you are going to draft Levis or Richardson at four or five, you are compl- you are asking for uh to be a bust. If I, I'm the Colts, you need everything. You need a little bit of everything. I would try to get back down in the draft and just try to get quantity in terms of picks. Hey, your 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 screen is frozen like the Korean Cosell, but your voice is fine. I don't Hold know. On. Let me let me. Set, I'll be right back, Coach. Hold on. All right. Um, Korean Cosell. Uh, we call him the Korean Yao Ming, six foot two. Um, he'll be right back. Um. I can't wait to break down our top 10 NFL bust of all time, get his take on that. Plus, I'm going to break down the top 25, 26 highest paid college coaches that are not head coaches, and we're going to break that down and show you their worth. Uh, I'm going to show you a little bit of that, a couple things. Um, I'm going to get Steve's take on the Cliff Kingsbury thing to USC and what that possibly could mean for – Lincoln Riley. Um, I'm gonna get that take from him. Hey, Steve. Um, I, we heard you fine. If the okay, yeah. So no man. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Um, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, is is going to USC uh, as a quarterback coach and an analyst. Let me ask you this. Um, is there a uh, if if I had to say, Steve, you're gonna be a betting man today. Here's JB's hot take for the day. I think Lincoln Riley leaves next year with Caleb Williams to the NFL. I think Cliff's the new head coach at USC. Really? Yep. That's what I think. With the money he's making at USC and the dominance he might have on West Coast football. Really? Am I frozen again? Yeah. Jeez. All right. Let me climb back out. Hold on. All right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I get his, I get what Steve's saying. Um, his whole his stronghold on the West Coast, but here's the thing about it. Uh, I think Cliff's telling him you need to take that shot to the NFL. I think you need to take that shot to the NFL, and that is why I think Cliff comes in right now. Cliff doesn't come to USC for shits and giggles. Leaves Thailand, leaves that Thai uh, pussy aside, and comes into SC for no reason in April to coach this year if there isn't something in the mix. That's my personal take. I think that he's coming there for a reason. It's calculated. There's no way in the world you come to SC this late in the biz in the game. I, I don't see it. I don't I don't know if you can do it. Um it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting uh, at the least. Um I'm going to ask Steve about the Lakers playing tonight. Um, I'm going to ask Steve about the Lakers playing against Minnesota, and I'm going to ask him to grade Rudy Gobert's fucking punch. Um, I don't know if that was a right cross or was it a jab. Uh, I don't know what it was, but... Yeah, Lincoln Riley and Cliff are butthole buddies. Um, they are butthole buddies. Let me put it in a smaller one. Um, oh, yeah, you're clear now, too. You got a new camera or something? Yeah, I, I hooked, I hooked up the camera. I had to- oh, oh, okay. Uh, I get that Whitlock treatment. See, on JB show, I get the fucking cell phone on well, Whitlock. I just, I just woke up, so give me a break. <laughs> hey, 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 let me ask you something. Um, Cliff and, 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 and Lincoln are butthole buddies. 
And <laughs> here's the thing about it. Um, I got what you said, a West Coast string, a stranglehold on the West yeah. Coast and all that. But Cliff doesn't come there and leaves that Thai uh, Pung Tang alone for no reason, does he? He don't leave Thailand yeah, to come but- in April and May to come to USC no, unless but- there's something in the mix. There's got to be something in the mix. Doesn't this seem like one of those rehabs? You know, like coaches, like, look, drug drug addicts get the Betty Ford Clinic. Coaches go to Nick Saban. And, and keyword right there, stop. You don't go to Lincoln Riley, you go to Nick Saban. You do if you're Cliff Kingsbury. And it's That's nice and easy. It's, re- it's it's on the West Coast. It's a lot That's easier. I mean, you're, playing, you're playing Pac-12 defenses. You have Caleb Williams. It's an easier gig. Of course. And he likes the West Coast. You've seen his house in Arizona. Yeah. You know, he's so right why there. would he want to go to Tuscaloosa to do all that stuff where there's actually expectations and you're actually going to work 14 hours a day with real pressure? But instead, you can go to USC, hang out with your old pal, put up 60 points with Caleb Williams, you know, then lose a game where you give up 58 points and you can only score 56. It's an easier job. I actually, I disagree. I think this is a stopgap for Cliff Kingsbury. I don't see Riley being an NFL guy. I just think he's way too soft. Don't you? I, I He does not have the look of an NFL yeah, guy. Cliff. Cliff got a job. He's the same person. Well, how, the same right. Exactly. And how'd that work out? That's what I'm saying. That's why I think Cliff's telling Lincoln, you got to take your shot now. We're at that age. You got to go now and then come back to college. You'll get a job easily in college. I mean, it's easy. Um, I don't know. Let me ask you, how do you grade Rudy Robert's, uh, Gobert's punch? Is Was that a jab? Was that a straight? Was that a right cross? What was that? Uh, I, I don't think it could have broke a smoke ring. I God, these, these NBA guys. Yeah, there used to be a time NBA guys could fight, like Derek Coleman could fight. Larry Johnson. Yeah, Charles Oakley would throw down. You know, guys of that name, Maurice Lucas, Rick Mahorn. Uh, Larry Bird, he was never afraid to let his hands go. Now you look at the, that was a love tap. That was uh, a love tap. I don't, you know, just like most NBA fights nowadays aren't worth anything. I know. It's <laughs> uh, transitioning to this, Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be without Rudy, uh, without the dumbass that broke his hand on the wall mm. heading out into the locker room. I mean, Steve, yesterday I broke this down. The reason they do this is A, they know they don't have a shot to win anything. B, they are the most selfish generation of people that I've ever met in my life. Because back in the day, we would actually have to think about something. A, oh, I'm letting my teammates down and this franchise and bigger picture, the city of Minnesota, Minneapolis. And then, Steve, back in the day, it used to be in our contracts. Well, anything getting hurt on, like, Steve, remember back in the day, if you got hurt on a jet ski, you were getting fined and probably cut? Yeah, but they're more than athletes now. Don't ever forget that. I still remember Jeff Kent had some clause where he couldn't ride dirt bikes or something, and he did. Look, I don't think these guys really care. And as you and Sean Salisbury say, the player empowerment movement has gotten so out of hand. You cannot put the genie back into the bottle. This is what it is now. So, I look, I don't care. I don't watch a minute of the NBA. Uh, I, I, I actually get annoyed when Whitlock says, talking NBA, and I'm like, yeah, I don't watch this shit. You watching oh. the Lakers tonight? No. 
not. I just my life. Look, I I I watch less sports than I have in the past. I watch what I watch. Uh, I'm not going to resume my Laker fandom until LeBron leaves, and even then, I may not care anymore. So you know, it is what it is. Hey, I got to get your political take on something. Uh, Twitter has now become a uh, X Corp. Um, what is your take on this? They're no longer an INC. Uh, they're an X Corp. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not impressed with Elon's takeover. Twitter now is making us lose our checkmark, becoming a blue verified checkmark. I like, you know, Steve, I was taking a shit one day and I got checkmarked. I mean, it was an exciting thing. Like, oh, wow, I got checkmarked, whatever that means. Um, now everybody's going to be a blue checkmark? Like, what is what separates anybody? Yeah, and I don't understand it. Unless you're going to ask someone for their ID and say, hey, are you really you? I know. Well, I, I kind of get that. Uh, I got the blue check mark because of the editing features and some I know. stuff. So I like, okay, I get it because I kind of use it a lot uh, for personal and business. But I think so many people are addicted to being on there and being linked in with like-minded people or as a news feed. I, I need it kind of sort of, um, you know, for what I do in terms of spreading my word and my message, I think as a media member, it's almost impossible not to be on social media. In fact, a lot of companies actually um, insist that you use it. But, you know, the Leon, Elon Musk takeover has been okay. I think there's been some good things and some bad things. Um, I, I think the conservatives, their words have not been nearly as censored as they have been in the past. I think there's a little bit more of an equal footing between the two political spectrums. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the, the, the Elon Musk Twitter has been necessarily uh, a net positive or negative. I guess it all really depends on your viewpoint. I think his bank account's benefited. Yeah, well, look, he's a businessman, you know, and... Um, you know, we willingly use it, and if you sign up to use it, uh, no one's really forcing you. And I, I again, I get more out of it than just personal usage. I use it for a professional standpoint. Yeah. So I, it's for me to walk away from it. I look. I've never understood these people that make these bold proclamations. Well, I'm walking away from this, and I'm like, okay, go ahead. I know. No one's gonna miss you. It's okay. It'll move on with or without you. Unless somebody tells me I have to verify myself with the blue thing for making money, then I'll have to do it. But I'm not uh, – if they take my check away – like, here's my thing. I've heard Pat McAfee, a few others say, I'm not going to get this check mark. So why don't the people, the celebrities of the world, the big-name guys on there, why don't we not get a check mark? And that's our blue check. Yeah, I, I, I look. Uh, there were some obvious issues with how the blue check marks were doled out before. There, there's been stories of bribery, people that should have really been verified not getting verified. I always thought it was interesting that certain people that didn't have nearly the following that I don't have that great of a following, but I see other people with that had one tenth of the followers that I had, um, get check marks and I didn't. I said, whatever, look, it's not that big of a deal. I remember when I left ESPN and I had to change my name handle. Once you do that, you lose your check mark. And I couldn't get it back. Didn't really care, to be honest with you. Um, didn't really impact the quality of my life or even really my experience on Twitter, to be honest with you. So again, I, I've said, I've said to people, you don't have to be on Twitter. You can walk away. The institutional go on with or without us. Choices, man, and he's not going to get broke from you walking away. 
Yeah, so it is what it is. Um, I'm going to take the Lakers tonight. I think they're playing well. We're going to see if LeBron Queen, I mean, the King can make it happen. Uh, we're going to see. All right, Steve, I got to get into this. I got about four minutes. I need to get out of here. Uh, seriously, if you could come down on the 20th, if that is a Thursday. Yeah, I'll come out on the 20th. What are you doing this Sunday? Are you going to barbecue anything? I might come down this weekend if you're here. Oh, yeah, come down. I'll, 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 if you come down, I am. Yeah, we'll do some stuff. I, I owe you a visit. Now, come down on the 20th. I want to see your old guy, see if they could box a little bit there. All right, cool. We'll film it, and, and I'll, I'll, I want to film it for him. Yeah. I want to show – I want to see if he's – because he don't have Twitter or nothing. He doesn't do anything. He's just on Facebook. Oh, he is old school. Jeez. Yeah, I know. He's old school, right? Um, so, yeah, that would be cool. Um, all right, we'll do it Sunday. this Sunday. I'll, we'll do it. There's a couple XFL games, Sunday yeah. and NBA, I think, probably. Um We'll be playing. I don't know. I know you love the NBA. All right, here we go. Top 10 NFL bust of all time. Oh, here we go. I already have a few names. Um, I think it'll be interested, uh, interesting here. Um, I got it. I got it. JB's top 10. Here we go. Um, let's start off with number 10. Um, and I mean, I'm, before well, I start. Let me ask you something. Everyone have to be like a top five or top 10 pick? No. They don't. Okay. Um, I just think. Based on coming out of college, based on based on like uh, you know expectations, um, I have some interesting ones, Sean. That I Steve that I think you're going to be very interested in hearing. Um, and I gotta I gotta be honest. If I I really needed twelve that I was really convicted on, and I'm gonna start with this. Number 12 for me would have been Charles Rogers. And number 11 for me would have been Johnny Manziel. Well, so Manziel's game never fit. At that didn't, Charles Rogers looked like the prototype. My understanding is he just loved weed. Just could not stay off the stuff, and it really impacted yeah, He passed away, didn't he? Yeah. I, did he? I mean, I remember him at Michigan State. He was 37 years old. Yeah, he looked like the original Plaxico Burris, or like right on that point. Kind of a skinnier version of Megatron, but my understanding is he just loved that weed, and it, it negatively impacted every other aspect of his life. Hey, so did Johnny Manziel? I would have had him at eleven. I would have had Johnny at eleven, Charles Rogers at twelve. Okay, but I'm gonna shock the world with number ten right out the gate. You know me. Uh, number ten for me, Steve Reggie Bush. Reggie, wait a minute. Well, okay, if your expectations were Gale Sayers. I get it, but that guy still put up some thousand-yard seasons. Hey, Steve, he had good he was possibly the best college football player we've ever seen. Yeah, okay. But here's the thing: that does not take away from what he did at USC. He's one of the five best college running backs of all time, in my view. Right well, up there, Herschel, Bo Jackson, Barry Sanders. I think he's a top five college player of all time, but I would include Marshall Falk. He in San Diego and State. You know what? Later in his career with Buffalo and Miami, and I know it's a letdown, he became a chain-moving back. He actually was a decent inside runner. He was not the game-breaker we all thought he was. But he I, had a good – I wouldn't call him a bust. I think that's a little strong. Yeah, I, I just – I think that he got indoctrinated by the Philadelphia Eagles day one, and he got blasted. Oh, I think on the swing route. Sheldon, I think it was Sheldon Brown blew him up on that swing hey, route. In the I think it game. changed his life, Steve. I think he was on the way to being the greatest, and then he became wow. a bust. 
That was in a playoff game. Well, look, okay. I, I think that's a little strong bust. All right, keep going. Uh, hey, hey, expectations, man. That's like Zion Williamson, man. He Reggie Bush was an unbelievable player coming out. And listen, Reggie had a couple spotlight hits and misses. He, I know he won a game for the Saints in the playoffs. I know he had a couple big runs in Miami. I just he was a journey. Oh, Super Bowl team coach. Come on. Hey, think about it, Steve. The greatest players that ever played, let me ask you this. Do you think of them for playing for one team like Joe Montana? You know he's a Niner, right? Not a Chief. Or do you look at it and say, damn, the greatest players of all time were journeymen. No, No. but I'm with you on that. The running backs are now expendable. They're treated differently than they were during the days of O.J. Simpson. But anyway, keep going. All right, number nine, I'm going to roll with Steve Etman. Well, that's an, another guy that blew out his knee. One of the most dominant inside tackles I've ever seen at the college level. Damn near unblockable in 90 and 91, but was headed towards a good career. Him and Quentin Coriat were number one and two picks with Indianapolis, and neither of them really panned out because of injuries. So, uh, steroid stallion, we'd probably say. Uh, well, he's not the only one, let's <laughs> be honest, especially in that era. Jeez. <laughs> I think he was uh, working out with uh, Mark Gastineau. Uh, um, all right, number eight, another one, Tony Mandarich. I'm surprised that's that's too low. I thought he'd be top three. And you look at that 89 draft, the first five picks, four of them were Hall of Famers, and Green Bay got Mandarich. People literally thought he was going to be John Hanna and Anthony Munoz combined. And then when he got to the NFL, it all of a sudden this revelation was, he has no feet. He has, but by the way, he actually retired and then played a few years uh, protecting Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. People forget about that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I got Tony Mandarich at eight, seven. You might think this is low, but I got a, I got a very interesting take above him. Uh, Brian Bosworth. More injuries, and again, maybe the steroids. Two-time Butkus Award winner, one of the best college linebackers I've ever seen. He actually had a good rookie year, and then his shoulders gave out. So, you know, I think I, I like the boss. Great character. Bo Jackson fucking ended his career. <laughs> oh, look, that's that's kind of overrated. There was, uh, no, there was no linebacker of all, any from Nitschke to Butkus to LT to Ray. They would not have stopped that Bo Jackson. And if that plays at the 50-yard line, it's a four-yard gain. Give me a break. I know. I know. Um, number six, very interesting. Another person has passed away. Somebody that I grew up with, played against in high school, uh, Lawrence Phillips. Great, great talent. A very troubled individual. And uh, kept getting second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Could never figure it out. Showtime did a great documentary about his life. Very tragic. Out of Baldwin Park. Yeah, ball in part. We used to play against him in uh, in high school all the time. Um, I remember seeing him in in youth football growing up. Uh, he was unbelievable in youth football. Um, number five, I got what you th- you might think a little low. Uh, Kijana Carter. Okay, another guy, great college running back, downhill runner. I loved him. Blew out his knee in a second pro carry. Uh, it was in a preseason game against Detroit. And he never gained that step. Crying shame. Crying shame. Hey, well, so the 1994 Penn State offense, which was a machine. 
Here, here's my point, though. Kijana Carter, we look at, and, and everything I've seen, he's in everyone, every major media, every major so-called expert, he's in their top five bust of all time. I But here's the difference, though. Like, to me, a bigger bust, because he had no injury issues. He just didn't have it. It was Blair Thomas, another guy out of Penn State. What about Quentin Coriat? Coriat was an absolute machine, but he didn't have great instincts. That's the one thing I did notice, even when he was healthy. But physical prototype, but if did Kijana, not. Kijana Carter could be considered a bust after he got injured. Why is Zion not one? Why is Greg Oden not one? Why do we say, oh, injuries into their career? Yeah, Kijana got uh, uh, injured by career too, but he's a bust and everyone's looks. Yeah, look, they're a different type of bust. There are certain guys that are bust because, my God, they simply cannot play. Other ones, there are circumstances. But a bust is a bust. Yeah, um, all right, four. I got Ryan Leaf. That's an easy one. I'm actually surprised it's not higher. I know. That's why I wanted to see that. I, I got to listen to these next three then. I have a feeling of a couple of them. Keep going. Although Mandridge to me would have been. Because I wanted to really screw with you. I got Ryan Leaf at four. I got number three, man, and uh, a very interesting one. He could have been. here. Well, well, Thursday you come on. We'll do another show. We'll, t- we'll do our top ten college football players of all time. This guy would be in there. With Reggie Bush. Number three for me, Peter Warwick. I don't necessarily disagree. In my view, Peter Warwick, when he came out, I thought this guy's going to be a dynamic playmaker, and he was never that guy. And look, at the college level, you could do a lot of shaking and shimmying, going east-west. At the pro level, you better get north-south, go straight, and kind of get down. Bottom line. Um, and he was never a great route runner. Now, maybe in today's game, if he would have came out at heavy spread, put him out in the slot, and you can give him a lot of that short stuff, the bubble screens and the jet sweeps. But, yeah, he was underwhelming as a Cincinnati Bengal. Yeah, and for him, what he was, he was unbelievable. He was Steve Smith, Chad Johnson, and, and, uh, and like, Coach, I've seen him actually, like, make eight or nine guys miss on the same play. I and, and I'm talking against like decent teams, but at the at the pro level, that field shrinks on you against pro defenders. The different yeah, and I just I, I thought he was just unbelievable talent. He I put him in that boat with Reggie Bush, but even higher because Reggie at least played um and, and contributed. Number two, Jamarcus Russell. I think he's number one. See, I don't. The guy that I have one is going to shock you. But the um, thing with Jamarcus Russell was, I remember they played in the Sugar Bowl, Notre Dame, and he had that great performance. I think Jimbo Fisher was his quarterback coach, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this guy's a beast." I've never seen a guy flick a ball sixty yards on the run and make it look like a swing pass. But again, this is where you have to do a background check, and you have to understand, especially at quarterback, does this guy love the game? And he's the first in, last out type of individual, right? And he wasn't. One of the laziest ball players that ever was. And I remember seeing him at some event. I think he went to a boxing match in Oakland during an Andre Ward fight. Coach, he looked so big, he looked like his own left tackle. I know. And I'm like, Jesus, you don't care at all. Cam Newton. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Where do you put Tim Tebow? Do you have him in your top ten? No, I think he was just overdrafted and kind of a novelty. His game was never going to fit at the next level. 
I'm the same way. I don't I, have I think he's a bust. I actually think he may have overachieved because he had that one great run where he threw that one pass to Demarius yes. Thomas. He yes. just threw that pass a thousand times. He'd never complete it. But yes. that one time he hit that shot in between defenders, and I said, oh, my God, he hit the lottery. Steve, the faith, the faith that he had. <laughs> well, right. he, well, he prayed for a miracle, and he got it. God God bless the Broncos on that day. Jeez. Uh, I wouldn't have – I don't have Tim Tebow in my top yeah. ten. Everyone's going to see number one. All right. Do, 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 do. I got to have that fucking breakdown sound. Um, here's my number one. Steve's going to jump out of his chair maybe. Maybe he won't. I don't know. He agreed with my Peter Warwick take. Um, Todd Marijuanovich, number one. Well, if you go by high school hype, maybe. But remember, he is too. You know, I remember reading about him when I was at Montebello High School, how he never had sugar, he never had junk food. And oh, no, Steve, hold on. Before you – don't let me cut you off. I got to tell you, I actually knew his dad and and, 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 and Oh, you know oh, Marv. You knew Marv, huh? Steve. Todd wasn't allowed to have a Coke. He just snorted it. <laughs> Did he use a straw with that? No, but here, didn't he go to birthday parties with his own specialized cake? I heard some of that bullshit. Here's the issue with Todd. You're making it sound like he was a top five pick. He really wasn't. He wasn't. And remember, he got thrown out of USC by Larry Smith. They had that bowl game in El Paso. Him and Larry didn't get along, and he benched him, and he said, get the out of here. Todd was a very troubled guy. But when I think of a bust, I think of a guy that had to be a top five pick. Marinovich was a skilled high school. Didn't he go to Capistrano Valley? Yep. Well, modern day was his first year. Then he went to Capistrano Valley. Went to USC. Led them to a Rose Bowl. He he is a bust, but at the level of Jamarcus Russell, the number one pick. Remember what they gave up in the Raiders? To get Marijuanovich. I mean, they did a lot. He was so highly regarded at the Raiders. They thought he was the next Kenny Stabler. And he fell flat on his face. He couldn't get away from anything. I mean, I still – look, I another bust, and I thought this guy was going to be getting Robert Gallery of the Raiders. I thought that guy, that's a 10-time pro bowler. Wasn't good. Wasn't yeah, – uh, you know. So, I, I – yeah, boy – Marinovich seems a little high. I'll be honest with you. I know. I know. Hey, would you have Trent Richardson or Maurice Claret in your list? Well, Maurice Claret never actually played outside his freshman year and was drafted by the Broncos in the third round. He's a what could have been, what should have been, but he didn't have great measurables, coach. At the college level, he had really good vision, ran low to the ground, but I didn't think of him as a, this athletic freak who's a game breaker. Okay. But Trent Richardson was drafted number three, right? And it goes to show you with running backs that you got to understand, does this guy have vision? He had no instincts, none. And I know it's easy for a guy like me to say, oh, you should have hit the A gap instead of the B. There are like screenshots of like where you could drive an 18 wheel and he's hitting like uh, the, the back of the ass of his, of his line. And so Trent, I we knew it was an issue when the Browns traded him after his what rookie year that they trade him like real fast. Yeah, they, they kind of knew, and the and the Colts gave up a lot. Did not have great instincts. Hey, oh, I got another one, Dean Milliner of Alabama, the cornerback. Everyone thought this is a shutdown cornerback, and Dean Milliner should thank his lucky stars he was coached by Nick Saban. 
Yeah. Hey, what would, where would you put uh, Josh Rosen? He's a bust. Hey, I'll I, tell, let me tell you a story about Josh Rosen before you get out of here. Sark, Sark came to my game. I was the head coach of Long Beach Cabrillo. We played St. John Bosco. Josh Rosen was the quarterback. And Sark came to that game in particular because he was, like, deciding if he was going to truly still stay on him or not. And uh, and he goes, I know you're gonna, I know you're gonna scheme his ass, JB. I know you're under mat, you're overmatched, but you're gonna scheme him. So I, I did a lot of things up front on defense to fuck with the Bosco offense, and it was eleven to nothing at halftime. This is the number one team in the nation, and I'm at Long Beach Cabrillo, and I'm screwing with them. They're calling timeout after timeout, and my principal is like talking shit to their president, like you, my guy makes three thousand, your guy makes two hundred thousand, and he's getting out schemed over here. Here's the point of the story. I lit Josh Rosen's ass up so bad. He was so throwing the ball like this, scared. (laughs) And Sark came over to me at halftime. He's like, that motherfucker's a pussy. I'm never going to recruit him. You know, Coach, he got hit so much at UCLA. He was never quite the same. He's one of these guys on on 7-on-7 in a T-shirt and cones. He's All-American. He looks smart. Boy, Jeff George in there? Wow. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know what in terms of being a colt he should be somewhere in there because look he had some really good years or some pretty good years when june jones salvaged his career in atlanta they ran the full-blown run and shoot but when he was getting into it with june jones and june jones got sick of him i said you know you're hopeless jeff you, you cannot be kept happy i thought that was a bad look for him jeff george they say to this get this day coach had the greatest throwing workout of all time. People still talk about how good he was. You know what's funny, Coach? Jeff George was on campus at Miami for about a week or two. And the Threw story, the ball like this. Threw the ball like this. One of the great arms ever, Coach. And they were on the ball like that. How do you do that? I mean, he must have big hands, but <laughs> my under, my understanding is, is that he made certain demands of Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy just said, son, this ain't for you. Like You're, you're just not going to fit in here. And ended up being really good at Illinois. I think he led them to a bowl game, number one pick. But Jeff George is one of those guys. He has all the talent in the world. God gifted him with an arm that was special. The temperament is what fails. That's where you got to talk to these players. Because in terms of how you draw up a quarterback, and you ever watch some of those games at Illinois? Coach, he makes throws from God. You're nice. like, Jesus. Like you could, And, you know, by the way, he was actually pretty good at Minnesota. Actually had some decent moments at Washington and the Raiders. But there came a point that the league just said, you know what? No, no more. And he could still throw the hell out of the football. So I think he, based on where he was drafted and what happened in Indianapolis, he should at least get honorable mention. Hey, on Thursday, uh, I don't want to – I want to give it a prelude. I don't want to get into too much. I want to break down our top ten franchise bust and who drafted more busts. And mm. I want to leave this. I, I want to leave you today with this one. If I said Raiders or Clippers, who's drafted more busts? Raiders. Really? Yes. Especially- but no, Benjamin and Wesley and uh, Lancaster, Gordon, Robert. Bo Kimball. I get it, but Robert Gallery, Darius Haywood, Bay, Jamarcus Russell. There was this stat about. Wait a minute. <laughs> there was like a seven-year stretch. That whoever the Raiders took, the guy after became like a Hall of Famer. 
There was this run from, and, and like, let I me mean, look, Al Davis was a brilliant football mind, but there came a point that if you ran a fast 40, he would automatically take you much higher than you needed to. And his last couple of draft or last 15 drafts were pretty bad. They I really mean, were, coach. They were bad. The Clippers, though, man, the clip, Danny Manning. I mean, the Clippers. Oh, wait, Danny Manning was good. Danny Manning was good. Danny Manning was a really good player. Give me I a break. He was not a buck. Carl Smith was a good player. Um, Gary Grant was a solid NBA. They, they look, Elgin Baylor Livingston, had it. Livingston, bust. Wait, Livingston mangled his knee. Like Livingston had a good career, though. What are you talking about? Anyone the, Lake, the Clippers drafted was a bust. I, I, I kind of disagree. Lloyd Vaught was a solid player. Oh, uh, Candy was a boss. Lloyd Vaught's of the world to find someone that actually played longer uh, than Ola Candy was a bust. I never understood him being number oh, one. Oh, Stanley Roberts. Stanley Roberts. Man, that guy could eat. He loved to eat. I mean, again, think about this. Stanley Roberts and Shaquille O'Neal were both at LSU together. With Chris Jackson. And with Chris Jackson before he changed the name. And they couldn't make the final four. Not a good look for Dale Brown. Not a good look. Hey, man, uh, let's do it. I'll see you this Thursday, but let's talk. Yeah. Let's come Sunday. All right, brother. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Steve Kim, as always, shout out. Um, oh, man, I do. I, I don't like losers. Uh, the Clippers are a fucking losing organization. What do you mean? Of course, I don't like the Lake, the Clippers. You either like the Clippers or you like the Lakers. There is no fucking going back and forth. You don't get to go back and renege and change your mind later and say, oh, I'm going to fucking be a Clipper fan now because they got Kawhi Leonard. No, that's not how it works. You're either a fucking team for life or you're not. It's like committing. You don't decommit. There's no such thing as decommit. There's no such fucking word as decommit. Like, there is no such word as decommit. So, I'm just, I'm just telling you. You either commit or you fucking don't. And I, I just, that's just my take on the thing. Um, is what it is. But, you know, oh well. Um, can't wait to break that down. There's lots of going on. Lots of going on. Can't wait. I appreciate my boy Will Jefferson for joining me. Steve Kim, as always. Uh, Matt McChesney will come on tomorrow. Uh, we'll chop it up a little bit. I want to get into the uh, Power 5 school pay. All right? I want to break this down to you real quick. I want, to I want you to understand how the Power 5 works. They pay OCs as slash quarterback coaches, and very few have OCs with independent quarterback coaches. So in the Power 5 regard, you know, the big boys, Alabama, Georgia, SC, Ohio State, they hire coaches sometimes as the 10th coach now. You can hire 10 full-time coaches now. used to be nine. The 10th coach now is either being put on special teams, tight ends, or quarterbacks. And then they're taking that duty away from the OC. The OC used to coach the Qs and get the big bag because he was the play caller and he was the quarterback coach. Now they've started to, to, to move that around a little bit. But I want you to understand something. The highest paid offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach in America 
is not at Alabama, not at Clemson, not at Oklahoma, not at Michigan, Ohio State, not at Florida. He's at the University of Washington. Ryan Grubb. Ryan Grubb makes $2 million a season coaching the quarterbacks, calling the offense. He's responsible for Michael Penix Jr. having a bounce back season. He also coached Michael Penix Jr. back in the day before he went to uh, Indiana. Ryan Grubb's the highest paid offensive coordinator in America. He makes $2 million a year. All right. Is he worth $2 million? I don't know about that, but guess what? At least he got a guy in the Heisman conversation. At least he got an offense that did well at Washington. At least he has Washington moving up the board as far as a team um, that is now at least uh, a Pac-12 threat. But $2 million seems a bit high to me. Jeff Levy. Oklahoma's offensive cube quarterback coach and offensive coordinator came from, uh, he's a Lane Kiffin disciple, uh, was at Ole Miss, been around with Lane Kiffin for a while. He's making $1.9 million. $1.9 million. All right. Tommy Reese, who's now at Alabama, who left Notre Dame, he's only coaching the quarterbacks. He's making $1.9 million. I'm sorry. He's the offensive coordinator now and quarterback coach. He's making $1.9 million. Sark was making $2 million at, at Alabama as well, by the way. Garrett Riley. He is now at Clemson. He is making $1.75 million. All right. Kentucky. Liam Cohen who's making 1.7. Kentucky's paying their OC quarterback guy $1.7 million. And anyway, I'm not going to go through this whole list, but a lot of these guys I know very, very well. Uh, a lot of these guys I know, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm not here to pat myself on the back, but first of all, not one of these guys on that list can recruit with me. And I'm going to be honest, if we ever wanted to coach the QBs in finite detail i would fight any of them on any given day that none of them can compete with me when it comes to coaching the quarterback with finite detail tech technically sound fundamentally coached i will stand on the cross and fucking say that until the day i die they make two million dollars to fucking tell the quarterback here take a drop here throw this it's not getting them ready for the nfl and if I go through this entire list, I want you to tell me a guy that has quarterback success in college that has equated to NFL stardom. There ain't a guy on this list. There ain't a fucking guy on this list. I know every single guy on this list. Nebraska's paying Marcus Satterfield $1.4 million. $1.4 million. <laughs> um. Dow Logans at South Carolina is getting $1.1 million. Rob Sell at Florida is getting $1 million. And, like, how about Ferenc's son or Ferenc, Ferenc's son at Iowa getting 850000 
They had the worst fucking offense I have seen in 30 years at the college level. He's getting $850,000. Charlie Weiss Jr. with Lane Kiffin, by the way, is a great friend of mine. He's not really the play caller. Lane is, but Lane takes care of him. He's making $825,000. Brian Lindgren at Oregon State makes eight hundred dollars And Jonathan Smith, another really good friend of mine, um, is the quarterback guy. Played quarterback. He is the quarterback guy. But he's titled Brian Lindgren as the quarterback guy. Guess what? Brian Lindgren now makes $800,000 to really do nothing but to manage his guys and recruit a little bit and help with the organization of the team and the offense. 800K when Jonathan Smith's really the play caller and the quarterback guy. So titled coordinators, titled quarterback coaches go a long, long way. And what it does is it fails the future. What I mean is this. You get titled as an OC. You get titled as a quarterback coach. And guess what? Then they go to the next level as the real play caller or the real quarterback coach and absolutely get seen through because they're not ready. They're not really the guy. They're the friend of the guy. They're not the guy, but they had the title. The other ADs in the country see the money they make, and they're like, oh, shit. We got to get this guy as the OC. And he's absolutely fucking dog shit when he gets to your place. Or you hire him as the head coach because he was the titled OC. That is how it works. Sorry. Just giving you some insight on how this thing really, really works. And um, a lot of guys out there making a lot of money, man. A lot of guys out there making a lot of money, man. Um, and uh, nepotism is alive and well. Uh, there is no question about it. I thought it was illegal for a long, long time. It is what it is. Um, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Hey, it is what it is. But anyway, uh, Sean Salisbury and I will be live tonight, 530 Pacific, right here on Patreon. Don't miss it. Make sure you join, become a member today of our Patreon. We're going to have the realest shit out there. We're going to break down the, the next four drafting teams. Seattle Seahawks at number five will be the first one off the board. We're going to show a little film. Detroit Lions are number six. We're going to show a little film of them as well. So we will be live on Patreon tonight. Appreciate everybody that has become a member of Patreon. Keep building it. Keep joining. Uh, we're going to take the revenue of that show and build it into this show. But we need to get... a uh, couple hundred members in there uh to see the dividends to start paying some people so we can blow the coach jb show up that all you guys are here to watch i appreciate you guys pound the like button on three pound the like button on me one two three and i will see you later on tonight on last chance q or i'll see you tomorrow morning chase senior matt mcchesney work boot wednesday um we have a few other guests joining us this week as well much love to everybody, man. I appreciate you guys. I'll see you on the other side. Peace.